the party's going on. <laughs> Thank God it's. Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality used car, and they could help you too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 336-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at autostoreofnc.com franchise players welcome back sports channel 8's ben swain how you doing man i love that you guys are doing what you're doing i love that we're doing what our what we're doing because the local sports fan is really underserved in uh in, in sports radio here in, in north carolina being able to monday morning after the new carolina game being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game franchise players every friday afternoon at 5 p.m on tobaccoroadsportsradio.com and at 6 p.m on w WCOG 1320 AM and WTOB 988. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras arena football team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Like to have everybody's attention for a moment. There's a stat. I don't like bringing up stats, but there's one stat about the Panthers. He's in the world is James Harden better score than Michael Jordan. No, he's a more creative in that. He's, Traveling he, is not creative, he Brandon. Doesn't, he doesn't. You know, no matter what the score is, and they've said it themselves, whether they're up 10, down 10, down 20, whatever, they know they can turn it on, whatever. Why did you have to bring up the Cowboys? <laughs> lived in Texas for two years and just could not stand to watch Cowboys for life. <laughs> Welcome to the Rundown. Here's Desmond Johnson. And welcome into a brand new spanking edition of the Rundown here Saturday mornings, WWBG 1470 AM. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Jalen Gilkey from WFMY News 2 and Brandon Blakeney, Brandon Lee TV, coming in live from North Dakota. Got to give a special, special shout out to our homie Rod Funderburk, uh, under the weather, had a surgical procedure done yesterday. Our thoughts are with him. He's on the men. He'll be back uh, shortly to the rundown. Fellas, what's going on? How's your week? Bless, man. After another one, another weekend. You know, it's a little, it's a little chilly out here. Yeah, I don't know what, what Mother Nature's doing. Yeah. A couple weeks. Like, it's been wild down here. Brandon, uh. <laughs> you want to get we, had a check, we had a check-in for you last week, Brandon. It was I heard it was a toasty 33 degrees last Saturday. Yeah, we still repped it. We still we still gave the weather report from North Dakota. I'm telling you, man, that, that app will be lying, bro. It <laughs> say it'd be 33. That wind chill will be saying it's about negative five out here, uh, man. But how was how was pond hockey? Oh yeah. fellas, we got back to the roots of the game. I was out there about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Just barely beat the frostbite, but I'm here. Still, still in, still in good contention. Still good hands. 
the blood black flowing. So wow. it was cool though, man. It was cool. I ain't gonna lie, it was cool. <laughs> we got a loaded show today, per usual. Everything you expect from the rundown here. Two hours. We'll get you all the way up to your noon tip-offs for basketball as we get to the end of uh the college basketball season. Um a lot of stuff to talk about here. Got Brandon and Jalen with me for the first hour. Got Skylar Callahan, beat writer for the uh, Charlotte Hornets and the Carolina Panthers for Sports Illustrated. And Larry Frank, host of the Frankly Speaking Sports Talk Show that comes on Tuesday through Thursdays on uh, Tobacco Road. They'll join me in the second hour. Julian Council, host of Locked on Carolina Panthers, will join us to talk some Panther news from this week. And we also have R.L. Bynum from Tar Hill Tribune. who will talk about North Carolina versus NC State, which is today at 2 o'clock, uh, a rivalry uh, not renewed, but ongoing uh, as the Tar Heels will go down the highway to PNC Arena in Raleigh to take on a reeling NC State team that's at the bottom of the ACC standings right now. Uh, kicking it off, though, question that I have after last weekend's All-Star uh, festivities in the NBA, we're even going to go towards the dunk contest. It's not even worth talking about. Like the, That was, might be the worst dunk contest of all time. Um, and then they did better dunks in the game than they did during the dunk contest, but I digress. Shout out to Obi Toppin. Um, in the game itself, this game was marked by the NBA top 75 uh, team. Uh, about 20, maybe 20, 25 years ago, they did the NBA top 50. And with it being the 75th anniversary of the NBA, they added 25 additional players to this list to make it the top 75. Um, when I when I went through it, me when I was hosting franchise players in the summer before I turned it over to JP Mundy and uh, Ryan Stone, we actually did a roundtable uh nba i think it was our top 25 or something like that where each of us picked our own 25 and when we got to the top 10 and i'm looking at the top 10 that espn put out for theirs my top 10 is relatively close to theirs except for one glaring exception i'll, I'll read through who they have in their top 10 because they actually went in and ranked the 75 so at number 10 they have kobe bryant number seven oscar robertson number eight tim duncan number seven larry bird number six bill russell number five wilt chamberlain Number four, Magic Johnson. Number three, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Number two, LeBron James. And number one, Michael Jordan. Um, the one, this was literally my top 10 when we did this in the summer, except for number nine. Um, I had Kobe higher than 10, and Oscar wasn't in my top 10. I actually had Steph Curry in my top 10, and I got some pushback for it. But after explaining why I had him in there, the pushback kind of subsided, and I wanted to bring it to, to Jalen and Brandon, because I feel like in my lifetime, there's only been three guys that have changed the way we play basketball. Like there've been great players that have been out there. Uh, some that we could call legends, but there's only been a few in my lifetime, in my mind, there's only been three that literally come in and change the way we play basketball, offensively, defensively, the way we view it, the way we do sets, the way we recruit, the way we build teams. Uh, and that would be Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, and Steph Curry, like those three to me have changed the way we play basketball. Like with Shaq, it went back to old school building from a big center. Of course, he was a unicorn. Not everybody was built like Shaq, but uh, nobody been built like him since. Nope. And like I, I forgot 2000 Shaq was like one of the most unstoppable forces like ever. Like people had to figure out how to defend this dude. Uh, of course, with Jordan, Jordan made it where before Jordan got drafted and before the Bulls had success, every team basically had to have a big man. You had to build with a big man to, to win a title. And if you go back and look, most of those teams had big men on them until the 90s Bulls, and they were built around a guard. And that was the first time really in my lifetime I could think of, maybe ever, where a, a successful dynasty was built off of a guard. 
And then you have the case of Steph Curry. And that's what I wanted this topic to be about. I have Steph in my top 10. I have him in there because he, he's won two MVPs. One of those is unanimous. He's the only player in NBA history to have unanimous uh, MVP legal award. He's got three championship rings. Um, he's pretty much done everything. He's going to obliterate the three-point uh, attempts made or whatever record by the time he's done playing. He already holds the record. He's going to probably play another 10 years. So, I mean, we're talking John Stockton assist record-like levels where he's going to probably be with there. Am I getting any pushback about Steph being in the top 10? Like, it basically comes down to, if we're going to use the ESPN uh, 75 that they have, basically you have to decide who do you take out to put Steph in. And I'm looking dead center at Oscar, although Oscar damn near averaged a triple-double for his career. That's what I'm saying, though. There's only been – the only reason I'm going to give you pushback on that and why Oscar Robertson is in my top 10 is just simply for the fact that what he was able to do, only one other player was – ever able to do for one season he did it pretty much for his whole entire career yeah i understand steph is the greatest shooter of all time but you got to take into the account the entire game of basketball right he's a average to below average defender um he doesn't really rebound because he's a guard uh but his one skill is the greatest of all time so I, i understand why he's in your top 10 because in my opinion, if you're the greatest of all time at something on a basketball court, then yeah, you could you you have an argument that's pretty much indefutable uh, to to, not, to be in the top ten, right? But I just yeah. say that because I understand he's got the two MVPs, one of them unanimous, the only one to ever do that. But he would only have one chip really if it wasn't for KD. Now, see, that's debatable. We could we could sit here and debate that. I, I, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. But that, 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 that's, that's one of those. That's what I'm I'm saying. LeBron would have at least one of those. So it's like, so that's going to that's going to give me a little pushback on how you could be in the top ten when the guy that you're directly competing against is taking these chips from you. Now, granted that he is, you know, number two on this list, the guy that's winning these chips. But I'm gonna just give you a little pushback on that, just because I feel like what Oscar was able to do for the game was unmatched for 40 years. Brandon, I'm going to let you go before I come back in. What are your thoughts? you think Steph deserves to be top 10 all time on this list, or did, did, did ESPN get it right? With all due respect to Oscar Robinson, I think he's a guy that in even today's NBA, he'd be a stud. He'd still be getting buckets. It was special what he did in college, too, winning San Francisco their first title. So it's no knock to Oscar, but I have no problem at all whatsoever of putting Steph above him because of his impact on the game, because of what we're seeing him do. And I think personally I can appreciate more because I'm at an age where I'm alive watching this happen live actively right now today. Um, It's just ridiculous, man. We see what he's doing amongst the greatest players in the league. He's still the one shining on the court, as we saw in the All-Star game. Um, He's changed the game. He's changed the way people play basketball. People don't even warm up with layups no more, man. They come into the gym playing pickup, and they're going straight to the three-point line. But see, I'm going to refute that real quick, though, Brandon, because when I was in high school, before Steph really was popping like that, that was our coach's thing. Y'all come in here and just want to shoot three-pointers immediately instead of warming up. He had to teach us how to warm up our jumper from block to block, shooting jumpers, not laying the ball up, shooting jumpers from block to block so you can warm up and then stretch out. So So where did it start? It's it's different, though. It is different now. It is way different now, Brandon. You you absolutely are. That kind of led a class of guys to change this game. Because you could say James Harden is in that category as well. Clay. Uh, Clay. 
Yeah, I mean, but really, Steph is the one where, like, Steph is one of those types of players where when you're watching the Golden State game, you're watching him when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. But, like, I mean, if you really want to be around. honest, though, somebody that really, really changed the game and people really aren't going to give him as much credit as they deserve is J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith is one of them first that really came in and was hitting eight, nine threes in a game, shooting only contested jumpers, only tough shots. You know what I'm saying? And that was, like, his specialty. Yeah, so, but I, I can't. Mean, put, I, I don't. Well, I, it's not the. It's not the same. But it's. It's, it's like. I mean, that. also though, if we if we just going basic off changing the game, we also got to think about one of my favorite players of all time, Allen Iverson, and the Iverson, crossover. Absolutely. Because I mean, for on and off the court, the crossover was banned, and they they implemented the dress code because of this man. That's why everybody <laughs> coming so sharp now. But <laughs> I see um, they loosened that up. They have loosened that up now. Yeah, they, 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 they no had to loosen them big back up. Steve Harvey suits like they yeah. used to back well, in the day. Well, once David Stern got up out of there, you know, Adam yeah, Silver that, yeah, a little yeah. bit more for the culture. <laughs> Anthony and Price, Anthony, 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 Anthony checking in. Right. Yeah, thanks for checking in, Anthony. Uh, with the you don't think Wilt Chamberlain changed the game? They created rules because of him. I do Absolutely think right. Chamberlain changed the game, and he is in my top ten. Matter of fact, I have Wilt at number six. I think I did. Oh no, brother, too low. My top, too low. Nah, my top ten. My top ten was uh, Jordan one, Kareem two, LeBron three, Magic four, Kobe five, Bird six, Wilt seven, Russell eight. 55, 33, and 22. I know. Steph, nine. And then I'm going to be making up numbers and saying my thing. My thing is, though, actually, so I'm not comfortable comfortable putting another point guard above Steph. I think he's the greatest point guard of all time. I think you can say that comfortably right now. Nah, I can't say he's better than Magic. Like, I feel like he he is. I can say he's on track, but Magic, nah, Magic, Magic, look. Magic as a rookie started at center so and clinched the NBA finals. We, we've seen Le- years we, of age. We've, we've seen LeBron do that too. And Magic came out hot. Steph took a little time. We ain't never to seen LeBron. We ain't never seen oh, LeBron, LeBron play the whole Bob. game and, and clinch the he NBA finals. We ain't never seen no no finals clinching game at age nineteen. I mean, we're replacing Kareem. Yeah, replacing the legend. Replacing number two on my list. It was a different. It was a different time. Magic came into the league <laughs> red. We understand that. Steph has got – he's like wine. He's gotten sweeter with time. Yeah. I and, mean, he, he, remember, he used to have all his ankle injuries at the beginning yeah, of his pro career, so none Under of this, Armour, you didn't even know this was going to happen, really. Under Armour finally got him some shoes. But you also got to admit, <laughs> KD went to join Steph for the Marines because right. without – He went Steph, to join Steph and KD. Clay. He went yeah, yeah. and Draymond. And, and yeah. Draymond they, because they like, don't win they're, they're as a collective, bro. That's the thing, like. It's so they hard to, con- you know what I'm saying? Like the way that they are based, and I mean, honestly, if you think about it, they probably wouldn't have made it to the finals if it wasn't for Clay in 20 was 16. Oh, he saved them. Well, I saved them game six. So it's yeah. like yeah. it's hard for me to say that Steph is really a top 10 player just because of the fact that when it come down to money time, he got as put up 37 in the quarter. I mean, three he's played with three Hall of Famers, yeah, and then I mean, possibly the greatest scorer of all time, like the most skilled Whoa. scorer of all time. Everybody on the list played with Hall of Famers, though. That's a fact, really. but that's true. That's Nobody's winning by themselves, yeah, absolutely I mean. true. But at the end of the day, like it seems like the, the, the cards were stacked in Steph's favor, you understand? He was the face of the of those teams, of course. He took but a step back. Day, I, he, there. he had a he had a a minus support all around him. Like you know what I'm saying? Like 
Yeah. I mean, hell, when they got yeah, KD. A plus in summer matters. A plus in summer When they signed KD, that was coming off the year where Steph was voted unanimous MVP and the 73 and 9 season. And they lost to LeBron up 3 1 in the finals. Where looking back on it, man, after, after Clay there. saved them, Golden State probably shouldn't even been in the finals because they were down 3 1 Oklahoma City the series before. So, too, man, he might game not have six that play, baby. He might not have that uh, that first ring with Harry Barnes and the boys either, man. If Kyrie and uh, K Love don't go out in that se- in the, before that series starts, I don't know if they beat the Cavs. Kelly Olynyk, Kelly yeah. Olynyk, he, he popped my boy's Ke- shoulder Ke- out. Yeah, I, I don't know if they win that. Arm bard. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> Uh, Anthony Price coming in with fire this morning. How you put LeBron over Kobe when Kobe's an all-around complete player? Defense all right, Anthony, field? I'm going to answer this question because I am, I am the got. ultimate Kobe guy. My 24th birthday, my girl got me a Photoshop picture of me on Kobe's body. So I'm going <laughs> to tell you that. So I am a Kobe guy, right, through and through until I die. I, I haven't picked another team since Kobe retired. I retired with Kobe. I'm still looking Same. at who, who, who just, I'm going I, with next. I, I think I'm rocking. I think I'm rocking with Ja. I think I'm going with Josh. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. Keep but, it on me and Lamelo though. In the horns, I like Lamelo. I like Lamelo. I like Trey. I like Josh. I like a lot of the young guys for sure. But I think I'm rocking with Josh. But anyway, only reason I'm going to say LeBron over Kobe is because at the end of his career, it's been more graceful. You know what I'm saying? There's been less of a drop off, and I understand that. You know. Uh, Kobe and his situation with the Lakers was way different than LeBron. You know, Kobe wasn't really trying to do the whole GM thing for sure. And it was having a harder time getting guys to come out and deal with everything that was going on with the Lakers. But the fact that, you know, the way LeBron's going out, it, it's not going to be. I mean, we haven't I mean, seen I can't, I, I, That's what I'm saying. I haven't seen anybody be as dominant, arguably a first team all NBA player. In year seventeen, now I mean Jordan when he came back at age thirty nine and uh, and thirty eight with the Wizards, he was on exactly. a lot of team. He was still putting up points. He put up forty, forty five, a couple times here and there. But, but no one, he was still he's arguing, he's still top three player in the league, and there's no debate in that at yeah. age thirty seven. So yeah, like, I gotta be. I gotta give LeBron that. Be, not only that, because even though his best attribute all time is passing, he's still gonna pass Kareem in all time. Uh, he's already passed Kareem in all time combined points, but he's gonna pass him in regular season points as well. And uh, I think that's just, a made up stat, by the way. I think ESPN just made that up because I never combined? Heard, yeah, I never heard that before. And so LeBron, I mean, if you really think about it, it's all out there though. Like, I mean, the, the numbers yeah. are there, so I mean, yeah, ESPN, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but still, and then what he did for the, what he did for the city of Cleveland, bringing them. The now, first, see, you know what I'm saying, bringing his that first championship to the city of Cleveland in 60 some years, his home he, area. LeBron stepped into some everything. stuff after All Star Weekend, talking. And then just for fun, prophecy, he, man. He was just talking loose about he might go wherever and uh, you know wherever his son goes. Cleveland ain't gonna have no pick, good pick to be picking up his son. Right, like Cleveland's too good at this point. They too young. He did look good next to Darius Garland, but I don't think Bronny not gonna be a top ten pick. No, man. that like, was my whole point. Yeah, yeah, Lebron. Uh, Bronny is like ranked 35th in his class. Or something yeah, like nationally. talking like y'all really know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. He's six foot. I'll tell you this when we, when, we was, when we was in high school, my brother, I'll tell you, I don't, I'm pretty sure it wasn't nobody that told y'all that Pat McCall was going to get drafted. And he ended up getting drafted and then getting traded to the Warriors and went to know, You so know, like, guys, though, but you can, tell, you can tell, though, when guys like I, I seen Kobe White, I seen Pat Williams, like yeah. guys like that, you knew, like, league. Yep. We saw Kobe White like two years before he got to Carolina. Carolina has a thing where they bring in like three-star, four-star guys and get them early signed. 
And by the time they get to Carolina, they ra- they rise on the, the rankings. So their class looks better by the time they get there. Like Tyler Nickel in Virginia is a perfect example of this. They signed him as a three-star like last year. And he just broke the Virginia state scoring record like this week. In they talk year. about they talk about Bronny like he's DJ Wagner in his class or like a Mikey Williams. Like Bronny's good. But DJ Wagner, if that's he was, the kid people need to be talking if about. If this name was LeBron Jones, nobody would know who the hell he is. Like, no one, He'd no be one would know. Charlotte. He'd yeah, be he would be Charlotte. playing for Radford or Hot Point or whatever. And, crazy, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, he's not it's better you. than Robert Dillingham. He's not better than Robert Dillingham. Okay, he, but so, okay, so check like this that. out. So check this out. You can say that if you want to, but remember when everybody told me Imani Bates was going to be the best basketball player ever to pick up a basketball? And... I mean, he ain't showed me as of, as of yet. I never I said that. But I'm, but he, he no, 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 no. But it's the same people that y'all are saying but, are saying Bronny's nah, right for me. No, because whatever I've it is, seen, no, but I've seen these. The I never, I never saw Imani with my own eyes, so I never had no. Act. I don't rank yeah. players I haven't seen live personally play, so I don't and have I, no opinions on that. But we also okay, but y'all Imani still Bates. using these rankings from these people that are saying they've seen all these players. No, no, I'm using rankings from a place I worked at. But I'm saying for me, Amani Bates is also 17 years old. That kid could still be a senior in high school right now. He's still growing. Sure. And the, but, but the money ain't that, out on him yet. That's what the, the it's not out, out on him. That's what I'm saying. We don't know. We don't know what it's going to be. Everybody put Six, all these nine, though, everybody put a, all these unrealistic expectations on these kids. And I mean, it is what it is. It this is, is what LeBron putting like, expectation on his kid. LeBron is the one saying he wants to play. No, because, no he's not. He's putting it into motion because whatever LeBron says, somebody's going to make it happen to bring LeBron in. But what if LeBron is not all. good enough to fulfill that? Now he's got this. On okay, well, we're still going to make it. We're going to make it happen because clearly, I would imagine chance. they've talked about this before. I feel like as as LeBron, there's no way you go out here and say this if this is something that you haven't talked to Bronny about. It's like, is this something that you would want to do? Because right. I can I can make it happen, I can put it in motion. But if you don't want to do it, then I'm wasting everybody's time and resources. You know what I'm saying? So for y'all to say that we don't know if this is what he wants to do, that's not 100. I'm not saying people. this is what he. Well, no, I know he want wants to do, wants to do I'm it. Saying I'm saying that he can. might not make yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. like I don't <laughs> that's know. That's what we like. We're but, like, we're, but we're but the like, thing uh, is, if LeBron put that cosign on, there's no way he's not gonna make it. He'll get a and shot. That's why he did it. Yeah, we that's we understand that. If he's, he's going to shot, but if he's the twelfth man on the bench, he's still on it. Yeah, I mean, he ain't going to be like just, starting like as age. Like he ain't going to be his dad. That's basically what we're saying. He's not LeBron James, and it's unfair. My for expectations on nobody because I don't, I don't know. Not. But that's tough, he's, man. Like he's, a, he's, he's not progressing the same way. Yeah, he's a junior in high school. He's six foot three and one hundred and eighty pounds. In comparison, LeBron was six foot eight, two something. And already on the cover of Sports Illustrated at junior year ready of high for the school. NBA and was ready yeah, for the people NBA were saying he'd been the number one pick junior year. And Bronny's not there. We're not saying he can't be there. We just have doubts. We don't think he's gonna I be just there. can name you five kids in North Carolina that are better right now. That's all and I'm saying. Another thing, too, and we gotta hit a break real quick. Uh, I don't know if LeBron well, maybe he will be because Bron- uh Bronny won't be eligible to play in the NBA under the current CBA till like 2024, 25. So LeBron's got to get there. Like this is 2022. He still got to play another three seasons. And even if Bronny needs time to develop, LeBron understands that. I said that last week. He understands that there's time for them still to develop. So well, at the all end that's of the day, the case, LeBron course, gonna do whatever he needs to do to make it happen. Hornets if GM Mitch Kupchak needs to be on the phone now. That. Hornets GM Mitch Kupchak can be on the phone right now then and be like, look, LeBron. Come on, come to Charlotte. We'll draft Bronny. Hell, we'll start Bronny. You can come on in here. You can play too. You'll be 41. <laughs> you know, whatever. Hey, you get Mike out of the uh, got that same uh, perspective. <laughs> 
Tripping, but there's but gonna be some teams that juggle some stuff around and try to make this happen off of you what you don't think Orlando thinking the same thing right now. I bet everybody thinking the same thing right now, I would think, uh, except for probably Cleveland because <laughs> I don't know if Cleveland would take them back. It's like yeah, an abusive uh, husband at this point, you just keep letting them come back in the house, and it just I mean, you know, to be leave. honest, man, that team is rocking. Darius Garland and Evan Mobley are doing just fine. Yeah, the, the, and they still uh they got talent that's hurt that's coming back. Like Cleveland, Cleveland oh, built it right this time around. So but look, we gotta take a, we gotta take a break, right? We gotta take a quick break. Um when we come back, we'll still continue this NBA talk. I gotta talk about Zion Williamson. I've been screaming it from the heavens for two, three years. What might happen to this dude if he didn't lay off the po' boys and the fried shrimp and the, the oysters yes, and everything, you gotta, you gotta and everything else? Gator bites. And, uh, <laughs> He's inching towards Greg Oden territory. I'm sorry. He just is. I hate it for him, but we're going we're gonna to chop this up. Is Zion Williamson becoming a bust? Or does he have time to turn this around? Coming back in just a bit. You're listening to The Rundown. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality used car, and they could help you too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 326-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at Autostore of NC.com. Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336 515 59990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern Cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's Catering Specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. Enter your softball team into the Diamond Stars Invitational March 19th and 20th at Springwood Park in Burlington, North Carolina. Age brackets are for 10 and up for a one-day event, 12 and up, and 14 and up. With Diamond Star events, you get more games, longer time limits, quality competition, and prizes to all champions. With Diamond Star events, get the tournament experience your players, coaches, and families deserve. For more information and to sign up, visit DiamondStarEvents.net. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras Arena football team, the 2018 National Arena League champions. Join us for our fourth year in the snake pit at the Greensboro Coliseum. Be a part of the Carolina Cobras tailgating group before every home game starting April 30th. Season tickets are now on sale for as low as two for $128. You can reach the ticket office at 336-455-7232 or at carolinacobras.com. Fear the fang. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson.
Welcome back into the Rundown Live every Saturday morning here on WWBG 1470 AM in the Triad. You can check in with the show like our man Anthony Price that's been coming in and out with some heat in this first segment with the NBA uh, talking about LeBron James, only popular because of his dad. People are going to draft Ronnie knowing they're going to get LeBron too. If you missed segment one, definitely check out the podcast. It'll be up a little bit after the show. Uh, still got another hour and some change to go here. Uh, we'll get you caught up on everything you need for your Saturday afternoon sports lineup. Going to hit a uh, scoreboard real quick before we get into the Zion conversation. Uh, ACC hoops today. Carolina taking on NC State at 2 p.m. I'll have Julian Council on uh, from Locked On Carolina Panthers uh, to talk Panthers in a little bit as well as R.L. Bynum to talk Carolina State. 3 p.m. Virginia Tech taking on Miami. Clemson and Boston College is also a 3 p.m. tip. Florida State, Virginia is at 4. 5 o'clock Georgia Tech, Notre Dame. 6 o'clock, 7th-ranked Duke taking on Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. And at 7 o'clock, the Joel and Winston Louisville taking on Wake Forest. Wake Forest having their best season since 2009-2010. 21-8, 11-7 in the ACC. Uh, Steve Forbes got them boys playing pretty good basketball uh, in Winston-Salem. They, and I think, honestly, they might be one of those surprise, all of a sudden, what are they doing in the Elite Eight type teams? Like, they just kind of get lucky and make a little run. They're kind of equipped for it. They got some length. Uh, Alondis Williams is probably going to be ACC Player of the Year. Jake LaRavia has got NBA game in my mind. Uh, they're deep. Uh, I, I think Wake is going to do some some damage uh, here in March. I don't know exactly what with the ACC being kind of watered down a little bit this year, but we'll keep an eye on them. We'll keep an eye on them, and I'll have R.L. Bynum on in just a little bit, and we'll talk a little bit ACC. Um, speaking of ACC, former Duke player Zion Williamson has not played a lick of basketball this season, um, and he may need another surgery, as was reported this week. Uh, he hasn't come close to the court this year. Um, his rookie year, he missed all but 24 games. In those 24 games, though, he averaged 22.5 points per game, 6.3 rebounds. He played 61 games last year, averaging about 33 minutes, and he put up 27 points and 7 rebounds. Uh, so he, he looked like he was turning into what people thought he was going to be when he was drafted number one overall. But, again, uh, Zion's had a lot of injuries really since he stepped on the scene, not just in the NBA, but I went back and thought about it. Zion's been hurt pretty much every year for like the past five years. Like he was hurt coming out of high school. Uh, he was hurt his first year at Duke. He was hurt his rookie year in the NBA. He got hurt towards the end of the year last year. And he, he's been out the whole year this year. Nothing like he's going to play this year. Is, is Zion Williamson, uh, is he a bust? Because you got to think about, he was the overall number one pick coming in. The expectations were stupid high for him when he came in. And New Orleans has only had him for like, I think a little under 90 games in three years. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Brandon start off with this because I know how much of a Zion Williamson fan Brandon is. And I think sometimes in the public I get painted as a Zion Williamson hater because when he was on yeah, you got your little you got your little niece. Your <laughs> little on, niece. But See, you but you was crazy, you was crazy at the altar of Sam Darnold, and I was just so confused. Yo, yo, lenses. That was that was three games. Sam turned into his true form. Sam turned into his true form, and I had to jump off that ship. Jake, what what Drake say? You be so jaded. (laughs) (laughs) But nah, for real, I I I hate it too because this whole time, back in the day when I worked for a different radio uh, outfit, was the year that Zion was at Duke, and at the time, I remember getting in conversations all the time on air, arguments about the kid and everything, where I was like, "Look, he is built like an offensive tackle." 
he cannot sustain running four or five miles a game for 82 games a year, weighing 275, 280 at six six. And he's pigeon-toed at that. So he's kind of got a bow-legged thing going on. Well, the bow-legged men are the, the most dynamic athletes in the world. <laughs> he gonna defend bow-leggedness. Is that Yo, what's happening? It's a, it's a genealogical <laughs> thing, man. You only know that. Well, because of it and him carrying that extra weight, he uh he's gonna put undue wear and tear on his legs. And it's one thing to see a 20-year-old. Y'all remember what it was like when it was when you was 20, 21. Some of y'all wouldn't ain't that far away from it. <laughs> you know, where you could hop out of bed. You went to bed at four in the morning. You hop out of the bed at seven because you got some place you need to be. You get up, work out, hop your back, go work out, <laughs> eat a strong bully, and you're good to go. Like for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Once you get past like 26, 27, 28. That stuff don't work the same anymore. So my curiosity with Zion was always, what happens when he gets to his late 20s and he still hasn't shed the pounds? What happens then? Does he become Oliver Miller? Like, is he just a six foot six, 300-pound f- power forward, I guess, at that point? But he won't be able to get off the ground the same way. So when you take away his explosiveness, what is Zion Williamson at that point? That was my worry. And all these injuries that he keeps compiling, it isn't helping because they're all like, well, the foot thing is a break. He broke his foot. The other ones were like soft tissue injuries, if I'm not mistaken. So you didn't have to be too worried about those kind of things. Uh, kind of same worry you would have with Steph and the, the ankle turning he was having early in his career where he just kept turning his ankles and you didn't know how they were going to fix it. I don't know how you fix this without him losing. Zion needs to be, if he's 6'6", I'd be comfortable with him at like 240, 250 at the most. And I would just that's be chilling. He probably, it looked like that's where he was at pretty much all last year. Yeah, no, that's where he was, was at. at. He, he was the that, heaviest I mean, player in the league last maybe, year. He was 275. He was, he was the heaviest player in the NBA last year at six foot six. He weighed 280, is what they had him at. Now, he might have been in the weight room. A lot of that might have been baby fat, but right. the rest of that's going to turn to just fat, you know, after a while when you get older. So, my question to you guys, and Brandon hit it because I. I, 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 back, I back away from the conversation. Is Zion a bus? Go. Zion was fat at Duke, and my man had a whole six pack. So no, 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 not at Duke. Not at no, Duke. I'm just saying oh, in general. Man. But I'm you know how you be general. looking, this. I'm just, I'm just saying in general. I'm not saying anybody in particular. I'm just. And, and, wait, before you go, I want to make sure though that people understand. I'm not fat shaming Zion Williams or anything like you that. Because I just saw, I just saw you the are. whole You're internet trying to do that to my man Fifty Cent two weeks ago, and he wasn't even fat. And I'm just like. That's not what I'm saying. I'm concerned he's going to gain so much weight he can't endure the the, the rigors of, of an NBA season once he gets past a certain age. And, hell, we haven't even seen him this year. So, go ahead, Brandon. I think, for one, man, I've never been a fan of calling somebody that's battling injuries a bust. And I don't even think we can put him in the Greg Oden conversation because he's just based off the numbers of the last two years. Like, we've seen him produce – the hype is deserved because we've seen what he can do on the court. Like the talent is there, the skill, the the scoring ability. I mean, he was leading he the league. the ball great. Yeah, he he was leading the league in two point field goals. He can shoot it a little bit better. He can handle the rock, like Jalen was saying. He's a playmaker. He can get teammates involved. This guy's six six can run the break, um, rebounding, blocking shots. Had the highest vertical in Duke history 
up into a point like just explosive jump out the gym. Ain't nobody, I don't hey, think I worry about John Shire's uh, vertical. I was like, no, not even really saying a whole lot, is it? I mean, he, all you do is beat Grant Hill, probably, and that was probably it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, we got we, we got it. We got to look at the Johnny Dawkins, the Gerald, <laughs> the Gerald Hendersons, the Gerald Hendersons of the world. They don't have some athletes come through. Don't do that. But anyway. Um, I'm not here to defend Duke. Uh, I, I don't know if <laughs> New Orleans is the best place just because we know how the cuisine is down there. You get them gator bites after midnight. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But I think I think man, Zion and the the they need to get maybe get a second medical opinion. Maybe it's the rehab that's that's failing him because the guy's in shape. He might I, I do agree he probably needs to lose about twenty to thirty pounds. But to call him a bust, I think, is outlandish just because we've seen the production. We know the kid can play. He belongs in the league, and they're desperately missing him. He's a popular guy, still on commercial, still, you know, they 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 envision him being one of the faces of the NBA. I mean, the guy's already got a signature shoe on a brand of Jordan where he's with Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum. He got a shoe before those guys. So the star power is there. The production's there. He's already been an all-star. He just got to get healthy, man. I'm not sure – it's just solely on him, the health-wise. Like, he's going through some tough times, just a couple setbacks, but we got to start looking at the medical professionals around him, too. Are they doing right by him getting him back? Are they putting him in the best position to get healthy and succeed? Yeah. Well, uh, Jalen, let, let me ask you this, though, piggybacking off of what Brandon just said. Do you think it's possible that Zion himself is stretching this out because he's unhappy in New Orleans? Absolutely. That's exactly what I was about to say. I would imagine, like, this is probably isn't that serious as a lot of people make it want, make it seem, just because of the fact that he sees that this isn't somewhere that anybody can be successful. And, I mean, if we really look at, I mean, the last superstar knew that AD, he battled injury pretty much every year he was there. Yeah. Since Brandon, uh, Still doing exactly. <laughs> Brandon Ingram came in, and he's been pretty healthy as of the last couple of years, but he still missed 20 games every uh, – every, with a – two years previous he has been in New Orleans as well. So it's clear something's going on. They also ran J.J. Reddick out the league, if you mm-hmm. really remember. So, I mean, there's a lot going on down there in New Orleans that people aren't really privy to, that we aren't privy to, clearly. But I hate using the term bust or throwing the term bust around. I mean, the only true bust I could think of, the last one I could think of, was Anthony Bennett. Like, I can't think of another player that was a bust. Yeah. college. I never understood. Yeah, I exactly. never understood why he was but the number one overall Anthony pick. Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett was a bust. Like, yeah. flat yeah. out. No other ways to put it. I mean, you could even say maybe Jabari Parker, but guess what? He's been in the league twelve years now. So, True. and he still averaged fourteen points a game. A lot of people wanted to call Andrew Wiggins a bust, but guess what? Andrew Wiggins just made his first All Star game. So Started. It's like, yeah. Exactly. So it's like people are trying to say you know, put these labels on these kids that they're a bust, and it's like. I don't think that's really how this works. The NBA is just so small, and there's only so few spots that are available. That I mean, if you're if you come in from the draft, how how can you say I'm a bust when there's only 150 guys in the league doing this job, and nobody's trying to get a spot up? It might be two, three NBA guys that retire a year, maybe. So it's yeah. like that's true. Really? So you you can't say he's a bust on that end, right? Especially because the one year he played 60 games, he was average what, 27 top, yeah. top five in the league and scoring yeah right i mean I so imagine, i would imagine he's unhappy and disgruntled with new orleans just how they handle everything we're trying you, to get to new york man new york, you know what i'm saying so the, I, the I, I, I wouldn't like a, i'm real like, hesitant with that around. with that i'm real hesitant with that bus term i mean he he better than julius randall i tell you that he yeah. better than julius randall i don't better care what y'all talking about i don't know if um 
what do you do as a, a, a team looking to kick the tires on Zion Williamson? Because he, he hasn't officially asked for a trade or anything like that. I'll throw him a, I'll throw him a second, two seconds, maybe. I'll throw him a, a player no, no. two seconds. No, that's I what I'm saying. I'll throw a first in there for Zion, right? I just would. I would, I would roll the dice depending on ship who I am. Kimba Walker, ship Julius Randle, ship a couple of players. Up. And a, a pick. We're going. We'll New, Orleans, New Orleans would be crazy to do something. I mean, Kimba Walker just got shut down for the rest of the year. Uh, Randle. Randall was good last year. This year, I'm not sure what's Back going on. With what him. he was, it yeah. was a contract year last year. Don't be fooled. Yeah, that, that's okay. Don't there it is. I don't know what's going on. LeBron with mentality now, man. He he got the LeBron mentality with a third option scoring arsenal. Real, what's going on? Real quick before uh, I hit this next break, uh, Jalen Gilkey and Brandon uh, Blakeney in the house with us uh, for hour one. Um, in, do you think that the 76ers? are the team to beat in the East now that they've acquired James Harden. And do you think James Harden has like a closet of fat suits or something someplace? Cause it feels like he goes like from big yeah, to little in like five days. <laughs> like you'll see him. He's like ballooned out. For me to get upset. He's he got that big now. mama suit in the closet. He got the big mama something. suit. He's doing something <laughs> where it's like, why is James Harden weigh like 40 pounds heavier than he did last week? And then like, yeah. you see him, <laughs> he's like dropped. Like a, I just saw the, I just saw the headline like yesterday. He'd be playing, like, like, he'd be up with ace bandages and towels underneath his jersey. <laughs> he'd just be staying in the sauna yeah, or something. Like, yeah, I'm gonna all but he, what do you think about this? <laughs> what do you think about these Joel Embiid, James Harden, potential pick and roll between these two? It might be. We might be talking like Stockton Malone level in terms of the pick and roll with Harden and Embiid. Do you do you buy the 76ers probably coming out of the East, or do you buy some of these other teams that we haven't seen them in the postseason have success yet with their groups like the Bulls who are leading uh, the East right now? Miami was in the bubble uh, finals; they're second in the East right now. But the, the heavyweights, the defending champion, the Bucks, the 76ers, the Nets are like in the eighth seed or something because they just can't get all their people on the floor at the same time. If you had to guess right now who's coming out of the Eastern Conference, looking at everything that's over there, who would you want to ride with? I probably go with I, right now. I probably either go with uh, yeah, like Milwaukee. as it stands this week. I go with Milwaukee, but you know who's gonna be my sleeper, and they I rock with them so hard. Boston Celtics, hmm. super hot right now. They did turn super it around. Right they turned it around because they were they were dumpster juice. Super hot fire year. right now. Yeah. They didn't climb, they didn't climb six up. spots, five spots in the uh, yeah, five spots in the standings. Brandon, who would you pick coming out of the East if you had to pick a team this week to make it all the way to the NBA Finals? Not win it necessarily, but just to get there. Who who would you pick out of this group? Because the Eastern Conference looks strong all of a sudden. It really does, man. If if we talking this week, man, I'm still probably gonna go Milwaukee, but I stand by my statement of the couple shows ago. I, I really think the 76ers won this trade, and we're seeing the the fruit of their labor come in now because like you said harden adds a total different dynamic i like that they were able to keep thibel um you know they they got some pieces man tyrese massey's playing really good basketball so i wouldn't be surprised joel and beat hasn't skipped a beat it looks like him and harden been playing together since high school like that that natural yeah. chemistry is crazy but um, he, said, he said i had never been this open yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i mean it's fun to watch them man i think they might be a year away though but for me i gotta go milwaukee i think they the champs today ain't the champs no more like my I man jewish battle said i got mad respect for the bucks like I, I didn't think i was gonna watch that bucks suns nba finals because just on papers like ah, why am i watching this but that ended up being a great finals and it felt like we were watching the birth of Giannis as a superstar like he'd already been a star he'd already won mvp all these accolades but him playing in that 
that closing game, that 50 point monster that he'd put out. And it wasn't like him taking a bunch of mid range shots and threes or whatever. It was him putting his head down and just driving into the paint each time and tr- come trying to get anyone to try to stop him. And nobody could like it. it just like, <laughs> it's almost like imagine if Zion was seven foot and still had the same skills. It's like, that's kind of Giannis a little bit. He can do a little bit of everything. Um, so I, I became an honest fan because of those finals. So I, I can see the Bucks. I'm really curious about the Bulls. Um, I've been seeing a lot of strange comparisons with DeMar, DeMar DeRozan and Michael Jordan the past week, and I just shake my head when I see him. Like, y'all need to pump hey, the He's hooping, though. Like, he, he, hooping. Is hooping. he hooping. He's hooping. He's the MVP, in my opinion. He's the MVP, in my opinion. That would be He's crazy. You know you know what's nuts? Because his game, people were saying it reminds them of Jordan. It, to me, it reminds me of Kawhi Leonard. Like, Kawhi Leonard is the one. People have forgotten Kawhi Leonard because he ain't played in, like, half a year or whatever. But Kawhi was the master of the mid-range jumper for this generation. Like, that that's his claim to fame is, is shooting that mid-range. Well, DeRozan has been shooting the mid-range longer than Kawhi. And, and that was my point. I was about to Kawhi say. Five years he, before. He probably feels like Kawhi Leonard has his ring because Kawhi came into Toronto when they shipped DeMar off. And well, they have the same game. Like, and Toronto, remember, Toronto too. been, like, the one seed in the East for, like, two years in a row. DeMar's probably looking at, like, that should have been my ring. Like, that should be me. And Kawhi got it and then bounced and left town. And I never wanted to leave. And it feels like right now he's playing like he's got something to prove. The Bulls are interesting, man. Zach Levine, uh, they, they, they got the crucial. And then Kawhi up. made the top 75 team. DeRozan didn't. Yeah, I find, yeah. So, I found that interesting as well. Not that DeRozan crazy. didn't, but that's Kawhi made it. That Kawhi made it. Kawhi's an interesting Dame Lillard guy. made it. That is. Is, that's the one where I'm like, how did Dame Lillard make this and Dwight Howard did not? Yeah, like, I don't get that. Dwight, yeah. Dwight or Vince Carter even. Like, I don't know. Vince Carter didn't make the top 75? Mm-hmm. He's like but I, mean, I mean, Vince, you know, he he's made like to the finals or whatever, but I don't know how Dwight didn't make it over oh, Dame. Just Dwight's eight AD years in Orlando. Just Dwight's eight years in Orlando should have yeah, been. Enough, been. I don't think he's AD one of the best defensive players of all time. Um I don't know. I don't know. But, but he might be one of the ones to get in uh, when they go and do the top 100 in 25 years. But at that Ooh, point, right, yeah. at that point, to be honest, in 25, it'll be 2046. At that point, our top three might be different. Because like right now, it pretty much consensus the top three, whatever order you put them in, Jordan, LeBron, Kareem. I don't see nobody really. In next, I mean, 25 years? I don't really see. Well, Kareem might be the one that drops out because people there won't be people that remember him, you know, at that point. I mean, like, you know, Jordan's shoes are going to keep him relevant forever, so he'll be good. Yeah. But I, I mean, I've never seen Kareem still number two on the scoring list, then it's going to have to be that, though. I was thinking about that the other day. I've never seen a pair of LeBrons, like, out in the wild, like somebody wearing them, like, in the store or whatever. If you they were LeBron, I didn't know they were LeBron. You got to get some hoop in. They're not his shoes aren't iconic like that. You don't like, get no hoop. You gotta get you some can't, hoop, like man. I can't spot out, I can't pick out a pair of LeBrons like in a lineup of shoes. Like, well, yeah. Unless yes, I see the little 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 thing on them, you, you know. Like, them nah, they be out there. You might have not peeped them, but they be out there. I mean, I saw Eminem wearing them Jordan threes during the halftime show. I immediately was like, Hey, he's wearing a Jordan. But see, that's the the thing that's the cultural difference. I think Jordan wins it a lot of times because of that. Uh, a lot of times people voting on these things are wearing Jordans or, or whatever it might be. So that's a hill that's gonna be hard to climb. But hell, LeBron talk about playing until he's 41 years old. So who knows? I mean, he's still got another four years in his backpack, according to him. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I gotta uh, I gotta let my guys go. Jalen Gilkey, follow him on Twitter at Silky Gilkey. Follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Lee TV. Uh, they'll be back next week. But coming up. We got some Carolina Panther news. I got Julian Council in the house uh, from the Locked On Panthers podcast. He's going to join me to talk all it's things. Sam, we trust, baby. 
<laughs> Actually, how small are Kenny Pickett's hands? We're going to talk about <laughs> Kenny Pickett's hands. Uh, Russell Wilson taking down everything on his uh, his social media related to the Seahawks. Should they kick the tires on Russell Wilson? Parents got a lot of things they need to discuss, uh, discuss. So we'll get into that and more here right after the break. You listen to the rundown, WWBG 1470 AM and radio.com. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Father Tom is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year. Hopefully it's this year. And Matt LaFleur went to both of them and said, hey, remember that play you drew up on notebook paper on Thursday? Yeah, run it now. Like, that's the thing that's kind of tripping me up here. We've been clowning Kyrie Irving and his behavior for the past five years. I feel like I just got a point, like on a show or something. (laughs) (laughs) Three, two, one. Kersville, you've got state champions coming back home. The East Forsyth Eagles have just won Class 4A state championship. On the line with NASCAR superstar Bubba Wallace. Bubba, what type of music are you listening to right now? Do you listen to anything particular to get you hyped before a race? Uh, I'm in like the heavy metal stuff, like the screamo stuff, stuff you can't understand. <laughs> that's, that's right up my alley. Tie game at 41. Murt takes the snap. Fade right corner of the end zone for Timmons. He oh bobbled it God. and then hold it in in the right corner of the end zone. Terrell Timmons Jr. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown here on WWBG 1470 AM every Saturday morning live at 10 AM to the 12 noon, getting you ready for your basketball tip-offs. I am your host, Desmond Johnson in the house with me right now. He is the host of the locked on Panthers podcast, Julian council joining the rundown. What's going on, Julian? How you doing? Hey Desmond. Good morning, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, Panthers doing Panther things since the off season. And uh, of course, it, you know, the NFL is a 365, day business there is really no offseason in the nfl they've kind of mastered this um on friday morning panther tight end and thomas signed a three-year deal worth 16.5 million dollars to remain with the panthers good deal or bad deal uh for the carolina panthers to retain Ian thomas bad deal i mean come on <laughs> ian thomas has effectively been a no-show for this first four years uh first four years excuse me of his career here in carolina why they felt the need to re-sign him on February 25th when free agency doesn't really start until March 18th is beyond me. Um, I was seeing a tweet out there on Friday from Adam Levitin, who is the co-founder of Establish to Run. He put out his pro football focus numbers, which aren't the gospel, but out of 48 tight ends back in 2020, he qualified 48. Hmm. In 2021, out of 45 tight ends, he qualified 44th. He's not... Even a great run blocking tight end as Ian Rappaport, who first reported it, said he was. And he obviously does not add anything to the tight end passing game. Now, looking at the contract, three years, 16 and a half million dollars, that's not really real. The money that matters the most is what he's getting in year one, which is six million or six point four three five million in an eight million guarantee. So effectively, it's a one year deal up to eight million dollars guarantee six. He's going to get for sure 
in year one. And then maybe if they cut him to have like a $1.2 million a dead cap hit after the 2022 season. But still, $6 million for Ian Thomas in a single season doesn't make a ton of sense to me, especially when you look at the free agent tight end market where there's tons of guys out there like Mike Kosicki, Dalton Schultz, Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski, David Njoku, Robert Tanyan, Evan Ingram. It was a really tight end rich free agent market. And they decided, hey, you know what? Let's bring back Ian Thomas because that's someone who's going to help us win games in 2022. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but hey, that's Carolina Panthers making nonsensical decisions day in and day out. This this team bothers me. It, like, it really bothers me that I don't know what the plan is here. Like, it, There isn't a plan. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy because some days it feels like, okay, they do have a plan, and that's why they're keeping Matt Rule and doing all these things with the coaching staff. And then, like, the next day you, you see something happen, you're like, that doesn't make any sense to <laughs> what, what I assume they should be doing to build this franchise. I'm just going to get right to the elephant in the room. Overall thoughts on uh, what you're seeing from head coach Matt Rule right now. He can say that he didn't have a lot of say in the personnel decisions and all that kind of stuff. We all know that's a bunch of junk. Like, literally, we were all there watching the uh, <laughs> the Camp Confidential draft video of him and Scott Fitter and uh, owner David Tepper in the war room during the, the 2021 draft. And Matt, Te- uh, excuse me, um, Matt Rule literally was like the kind of final say on a lot of players that they went after. The league seems to be trending towards treating Matt Rule as a lame duck coach. And we've seen this with uh, like Pep Hamilton not coming in to interview. Uh, other coaches kind of being like, nah. How do, you, how do the Panthers lure a guy like a Deshaun Watson from Houston or even like a Russell Wilson from Seattle with that cloud over the franchise? Is that even possible? Yeah, it certainly seems like a sinking ship. And it's a good point to bring up Pep Hamilton, who stayed in Houston with now Lovey Smith as the head coach. Not sure what the hell is going on down there, but that's not our problem. And good for Pep, who's a Charlotte guy, to be able to get an OC job in the NFL, especially looking at the current hiring cycle and climate when it comes to minority coaches and trying to get elevated in the NFL, especially for head coaching jobs. But with Matt Rule, with Matt Rule man, like, yeah, I don't really have a ton of faith moving forward. I was one of those people who felt like, yeah, I should get a, a year three. I feel like we fire coaches way too soon. And what kind of a look is it if you hand Matt Rule a seven-year, $60 million contract, and after two years you fire him? That would make a lot of sense to me, especially when David Tepper said when he hired Matt Rule that he's a program builder. You don't build something in two seasons. You need more time to do that, even though he's made bad decision after bad decision at pretty much every turn. I don't think he should have, say, in personnel. You've seen in the NFL, like down in Houston, for example, Bill O'Brien, Back when he became the GM, that's when everything kind of flipped the opposite way for him. Because I think he's a good head coach, but when he has personnel say, things don't work out. We've seen in Seattle, it's worked out for a while, Pete Carroll, but they've now decided that John Snyder, the GM, is going to have the final say in personnel. Matt Rule has the final say currently on the 53-man roster. You can see some of the free agent moves, like I think with Ian Thomas, that's a Matt Rule move. When it comes to the draft, I think a lot of that's got bitter. You think Matt Rule's capable with his lack of knowledge and experience in the NFL of making the kind of trade backs that Scott Fitter made last year? I wouldn't say so, but he certainly has a lot of say in the personnel, including the final 53. I don't know how they're going to be able to attract any sort of quarterback in the situation because just look at it. They have one good receiver in DJ Moore. McCaffrey's hasn't been healthy the last two seasons. The O-line's terrible, and they have Ben McAdoo as the OC and a lame duck head coach. If you're Russell Wilson, I don't know why he'd want to leave Seattle anyways. But this is certainly not a better situation. <laughs> and in, a, as in terms of with Watson, like I need the legal stuff to play out before I want to have any sort of conversation about where he might play football next season. 
one of the uh, one of the quarterbacks the names that's kind of popped up here really over the past seven days, and it's kind of amazing because I never really attached them to us, and now all of a sudden I feel like that's all I've been talking about about the Panthers uh, this past week. Kind of intriguing. Free agent to be Saints quarterback Jameis Winston. Um, should the Panthers kick the tires on Winston? He's coming off of a torn uh, ACL, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, they still call him 30 for 30. He had the, th- the year 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions with Tampa Bay. Caused Tampa to move off of him. Go out to get old man Brady. They end up winning the Super Bowl for the efforts. Uh, he was 5-2 and two with the Saints before he got injured. Um, but I think he'd only thrown two interceptions at that point as well. Uh, Sean Payton had kind of started to, uh, you know, work some of the bad habits out of Jameis's game. Now, uh, you know, Sean Payton is no longer there. Uh, gone into... Eh, semi-retirement I guess we could call it what are your thoughts on Jameis Winston this is a former Heisman Trophy winner and national champion uh similar traits to Cam Newton in terms of guys wanting to follow him and things of that sort would Jameis Winston be in play in Carolina because he would be a you know a lower tier from the Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson uh grouping of of guys that Deshaun Watson that we probably are anywhere near getting he feels like he's right there in that tier underneath it with like Kirk Cousins and uh, you know guys like Carson Wentz and, and, and that nature. What, what would your thoughts be if they brought Jameis Winston in here to compete against Sam Darnold uh, in 2022? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly worth a look. I don't see it happening. They've had the last two off-seasons to bring in Jameis when he became a free agent after Tampa moved off of him, and they didn't do that. And then last season, they also had another opportunity to bring him in here, and they didn't do that. So I don't see why they would now choose to bring in Jameis. I do think Jameis can still play in this league. He's obviously been better in this league than Sam Darnold throughout his career. Aside, I mean, yeah, whatever, the 30 for 30 season. Sam yeah. Darnold's never even came close to throwing for 30 touchdowns in this league and is never going to do it in the National Football League, honestly. So, yeah, it would be, I think it's worth a look. But I don't think that's going to happen because they've had their opportunities to bring in Jameis, and they're clearly not interested in bringing him in, even if it's going to be competition. What do you uh, on was Julian Council, uh, host of the Lock on Carolina Panthers podcast? Um, Panthers hold the sixth overall pick in April's NFL draft. Is this is there a quarterback in this draft that you would pull the trigger on at six for the Panthers? No, definitely not. I I don't love any of these guys. <laughs> uh, I know Kenny Pickett is obviously gonna be the name that everyone brings up because oh, you're gonna hear this a lot, Panther fans. Did you remember once upon a time Kenny Pickett was committed to play for Matt Rule at Temple? Then he decided that I don't want to play at Temple. I'm going to Pitt. And things worked out for him at least his final year at Pitt because he was really bad. Honestly, we're looking at it throughout his career until this final season. I give him a lot of credit to how he's able to develop and he's able to process offenses. Um, shout out to Mark Whipple, who used to work with Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback coach back in Pittsburgh, was his OC the last three seasons, has now moved on to Nebraska. That is one of the things that actually makes Kenny Pickett attractive. He might be the most NFL-ready quarterback of this quarterback class. I still have seen too much bad tape to ever think that Kenny Pickett's going to be an actual high-level starting quarterback in the National Football League. So hard pass there. Malik Willis lost out his job at Auburn to Jarrett Stidham. Stidham's no good. Hmm. Goes to Liberty to work with Hugh Freeze. Looked good back in 2020. Wasn't as good this past season. The only game I really saw him play was against Ole Miss, where the only quarterback that came out as looking attractive in that one was Matt Corral, who a lot of people have not talked about since the Sugar Bowl when he had that injury where it wasn't really anything that's going to be detrimental to his career. So I, I don't like any of these quarterbacks. Willis might have the highest ceiling according to a lot of these uh, draft analysts, but the Carolina Panthers aren't in a position to draft a quarterback and sit there and hope that he can help them this year. They need somebody who can come in and help them win. I just don't know if there's really anyone who's willing to do that. So rookie quarterback might be the best case scenario in terms of just getting someone in here the fans can place their hopes on to for the future. 
but I don't really love any of the guys in this class. I love Sam Howell because he's a Carolina guy, but I just have seen, again, every snap that Sam Howell's played, and I don't have a ton of confidence that Sam Howell is going to be a high-level NFL starter at, right now. He Could he be? Possibly. I just don't think anywhere into next season they should be looking at getting a rookie. I'm, I'm glad you started that off with uh, Kenny Pickett because there seems to be a lot of smoke building uh, around uh, Kenny Pickett and the fascination with him, with uh, Matt Rule, not just Matt Rule, but owner David Tepper, who is one of the biggest donors to the University of Pittsburgh. So he's been watching this guy yep. for his career, and he watched him during this uh, um, campaign, ACC Player of the Year, was a Heisman finalist. I, I, I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen Kenny Pickett's hands? Yeah, the hand size thing is a is a conversation <laughs> we're going to have, apparently. What and is I, going on? Why are they so little? I've never heard of a quarterback having a double glove to play before. That's frightening to me. Like, well, he, Teddy Bridgewater. Ugh. Was like, he wearing I, double gloves? Or was yeah. he just wearing like a glove? No. Teddy wow. two gloves, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think right. that was more a personal choice for Teddy. Uh, yeah, the hand size thing. And here's the thing. We've got the, we got the combine coming up this upcoming week, and it's probably the worst part of the NFL draft process. I honestly hate the them working out in their shorts and they're yeah, talking about that. I'm so yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Like, what does the tape say? And yeah, the, the hand size thing might actually be pertinent as it pertains to the Panthers only because of you've had Jimmy Claus in the past, had turnover issues because of his small hands. Same thing with Kyle Allen. But both of those guys, <laughs> neither one of them. I mean, Claussen was a second round pick. So there was at least some expectation. Maybe he could do something here in Carolina. But Kyle Allen, I mean, no. So that might be the only thing that makes it worth bringing up. But I, I just, again, I, I saw Kenny Pickett play his entire career at Pitt, and I was never really impressed by him until the season. But there's so much bad tape prior to then where I don't believe in him as being a high-level starter in the National Football League, which is what the Carolina Panthers should be hoping out of whatever quarterback they take if they do take one at six. I'm starting to feel like Sam Darnold's going to be the starter when we start week one of 2022. Like, And that's going to be really sad for a fan base that – by all accounts, I don't think I've ever felt as detached being a Carolina Panther fan to the franchise before. Even through like you know the opening years of John Fox, mm-hmm. the first couple years of Ron Rivera, uh, you, you know the, the the bad the bad ones, the bad years, the the one win season uh, in two thousand and one. Like it just I, there's something. Even though we're winning some games, it just feels like we're not attached as a fan base to the franchise as we have been previously. And I don't know if that's uh, an indictment on Matt Rule. I don't know if that's an indictment on David Tepper, who is still MIA. We have not heard from uh, owner David Tepper since the end of the season, and typically he's out there at the end of the season kind of giving a State of the Union address. We didn't get that this year. It was probably smart on Tepper's part, considering it was right around the time Matt Rule went on WFNZ right at the end of the season. Probably didn't need to do it, made it kind of worse. We haven't really heard from Matt Rule since then either. So we'll kind of see uh, if David Tepper does one of his things and just kind of pops up out of nowhere and just starts talking about, all the stuff that he owns. Um, <laughs> Julian yeah. Campbell with us, uh, host of the Locked on Panthers podcast. Uh, you can catch it Monday through Friday. New episodes. Uh, definitely need to start checking them out. Uh, real quick before I get you out of here, Julian, have we seen the last of Cam Newton in Charlotte? Yes. Time to move on. Should have never came back in the first place. It was a fun 10 days, but clearly it was a bad position to put Cam in. And I don't think this organization has really any interest in him actually being the starter. So if he's not going to be the starter, Cam already said it. I'm not coming back for no five and 12. That's where they're headed again next year, looking at how things are turning out so far. Have we seen the last of Cam Newton, period, in the NFL? Uh, possibly. <laughs> he, I have no idea. He sat there as a free agent for all those weeks 
and no team was interested in him until Carolina came calling back. And the fact that they had history helped out, he at least showed over the final two weeks of the season when he didn't start to the teams out there that might think that he's selfish and not a good teammate, that he can sit back and be the backup. And he's said that plenty of times, you know, folks have had their own preconceived notions of cam since he came into the league. And that's just not going to change for a lot of people. I think, yeah, he has a role in this league. What is that role? I don't know, but I don't think he's going to have a role here in Carolina. So we'll see what teams want to do out there. Um, But I hope he gets another opportunity, but also I wouldn't really bother me if he retires because I think we've already seen the best of cam and what's the point of him sitting back there and being a backup to someone who'll never achieve the, the heights that he achieved in the national football league. Me personally, I think he's uh, I think he's compiled a Hall of Fame noteworthy uh, resume. It would have helped, you know, if he had gotten that ring, it would have topped it all off. But um, clearly, I mean, honestly, there's still plenty of Cam Newton fans in Charlotte. Of course, that was probably the highlight of the season. Him coming out of the tunnel that first <laughs> it's the I, only highlight of the, the only highlight we really had all year. <laughs> um, but because of that, you know, there's they still got Cam Newton on the mind. Uh, for a lot of Carolina Panther fans here, so kinda, we're kind of in a limbo place waiting to see what Matt Rule and Scott Fritter and the rest of these guys do to try to get the Panthers back on the winning track. Follow Julian on Twitter at Julian Council. Locked on Panthers podcast every Monday through Friday. You can find that online. Julian, appreciate you being on the rundown, man. We'll definitely bring you back on here soon as we get deeper into the offseason for the Panthers. Yeah, absolutely, Desmond. Appreciate it. Uh, have me on anytime, man. Coming up, R.L. Bynum will join us here from uh, Tar Heel Tribune, and we'll talk NC State versus Carolina here at 2 o'clock in a couple hours, rivalry day. Back in a bit, you listen to the rundown on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Looking to change things up a little? Visit Salon Resi. Located at 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy, Salon Resi is the newest high-end full-service salon and spa in the triad. Salon Resi Spa includes massages and skincare. Get a full highlight treatment, shampoo and style, color and retouch, and much, much more. Salon Resi, where passion and creativity meet. 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Craving fried chicken? Stop by One Stop on the way to the big game. One Stop Number 6, located at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville, serves fresh fried chicken and famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Craving wings? Come try the new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters in a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular, hot, ranch, or spicy. One stop number six, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. 
Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality used car, and they could help you too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 336-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at autostoreofnc.com. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras arena football team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back to the rundown here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, tobaccoroadsportsradio.com. Desmond Johnson here with you as I am every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. live here across the triad, giving you your dose of sports and sports talk. You can hear us on WWBG 1470 a.m. on Terrestrial Radio also. From the Tar Hill Tribune, R.L. Bynum joining us, beat writer for the uh, for the North Carolina Tar Heels. R.L., what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing good. Good to join you. It's a good weekend to join Carolina NC State later on today, 2 p.m., kicking off a huge ACC slate of games uh, with a lot at stake. There's a couple teams jostling around for uh, tournament seating. Uh, it's going to be super important that we'll get into in just a second. But first, these Tar Heels, they're 20-8 and overall, 12-5 and in conference play. Is this a must-win game for North Carolina in your eyes, R.L.? Oh, this 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 would be like losing the Pittsburgh game. Um, it, it, this is a game that Carolina cannot lose, given that they uh, lost to Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, if they lost that that game, they'd really have to do some damage in Brooklyn to solidify their position, because uh, this is not your typical ACC where you can just finish in the top four or five seeds in in the ACC tournament and make it. it it's going to be harder this year. So, yeah, that that that's definitely another game that Carolina cannot afford to lose. Um, with um, with Carolina, it's kind of weird because I, I make the mistake of going online uh, after games like on Facebook and social media just kind of gauge the, the fan base. And I can't recall a year where I've been as irritated with the Carolina fan base as I have been this year. And I'm a Carolina fan. It's like it feels like the expectations for. Uh, first-year head coach Hubert Davis were just completely out of whack for what was going to be, considering this team was 18-11 and 11 last year underneath Roy Williams, and it's basically the same core uh, of the roster uh, without the bigs. Um, so yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure what people were expecting, but uh, ever since the January 22nd blowout loss to Wake Forest, the Heels are 8-2. and two. The only losses are to ninth-ranked Duke at home and a strange loss to Pittsburgh at home as well. How do you feel about the team at this moment going into this game versus NC State later on today at 2 o'clock? Well, it, you're talking about the fans. The fans are, are have been really lucky to have a, a program that spoiled. Uh, is a national <laughs> contender every year. Was that the and, word you were uh, spoiled? <laughs> and they expect a national contender every year, so they're impatient when things don't go well. As far as this team right now, I, I think – a big problem is that there's no bench and uh, I think that is some of that is Hubert Davis is doing because uh, if you look at what Roy Williams practice was he would play a lot of people 
early in the season, November, December, uh, to give them experience. That's, you know, that, that's uh, how Luke May got uh, playing time as a sophomore. That's correct. And, and then and then he would whittle his bench down toward the end, and Hubert Davis didn't do that. And then he lost Dawson Garcia, and he lost Anthony Harris. And it's really been a situation where uh, too many people are playing too many minutes. I mean, I think Caleb Love has played all but three minutes in the last three games. He played all 40 against Louisville. And uh, that really makes getting a double buy, buy essential. But this team with so few bench players playing, winning three games in as many days is going to be hard. Four, I don't think that's going to happen, particularly with the lack of consistency. I mean, th- this is the shortest bench since I think the 99 Final Four team hmm. uh, that had one NBA player in Ridden Haywood. And you know, the NBA prospects for this roster don't look that good. So, uh, I mean, I guess the other team with the short bench was the 82 title team, but that team had two <laughs> members of the 75th anniversary NBA team in Jordan and Worthy, which <laughs> this team uh, does not have that kind of talent. So uh, it, it, it really uh, seems to ride on how Caleb Love plays. He's been so inconsistent. But, you know, when he's playing well, they play well. I mean, it, it, and it seems like uh, when he's involved and has a hand, his, ball, uh, his hand on the ball, things go well because it's just, the weird statistic is that Carolina is undefeated when he has five assists, but they're also undefeated when he has five turnovers. I saw so that. Go, yeah, go, go figure that. <laughs> but, but, but you look at it, I mean, He's shooting uh, 44% from three when Carolina wins and 26% from three when they lose. So it's it's it really rides on, on Caleb to play well, make good decisions. And, and, and you also have to remember, like I said, he's playing a lot of minutes. And some of those turn some of those six turnovers in the second half against Louisville, you might attribute to to being winded and mm-hmm. still being left out there. And that's not his fault. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, the starters playing heavy minutes. It feels like the past three or four games in particular, right around the 17-minute mark of the second half, you can kind of depend on Brady Manick just kind of clutching his shorts and just completely winded from <laughs> from whatever he's had to do in the first half. And he's picked up his scoring as well. So uh, I, I do like that Hubert started using Dontre Styles, uh, And you can kind of tell that Styles is a, a different spot than what he would have been in November if he was getting this run he looks more confident looks like he's been in the weight room and he's actually contributing some uh some decent defense and plays and rebounds and stuff while he's out there uh but then you've got others like Kerwin Walton who's kind of fallen off from where he was at this point last year uh to the point where I'm not sure if he completely trusts his shot anymore um the bench definitely feels like it's the biggest weakness for the heels this year Armando Baycott Getting some, should he get serious consideration for player of the year in the ACC? Because all I'm hearing is either Paolo Bancaro or Alondis Williams at Wake Forest. But if I'm not mistaken, Armando leads the nation in double doubles. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know it was him and the kid at Kentucky that were going back and forth. Should Armando be getting some consideration for player of the year? I think he's in the conversation, but I'd be surprised if he got it. Uh, to be honest, if he, if he had a crazy week this week with State and then 
believe it's was it Syracuse after that, and then Duke at the end, the the cat. If he had a crazy last week of the season, is there any way he could pull himself up into serious consideration? He could, but, but and then, and then sometimes it's just really amazing how Carolina has a casual interest in post entry passes. I mean, he only had two shots in the second half against Louisville, which is amazing. But uh, you also have to point out that when the opponent has a physical big man, he struggles more. Yeah. He, 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 he doesn't do well against physical defense. And I think that was the case against Louisville, and it's been a case in a couple other occasions. But uh, he, he, needs to, he needs to touch the ball more than he does. And uh, somebody needs to tell his teammates that, that Armando is in the player of the year conversation because they don't give him the ball like uh, somebody who is in that conversation sometimes. It, it's weird because I feel like it's it's almost because of of how Hubert described the way he wanted the offense to run at the very, very beginning when he took over the job. Mm-hmm. I think it almost feels like it's confused the, the the players because they come in knowing that Carolina is a, you know, two bigs, run run the basketball, uh, speedy point guard that can get to the cup, play defense. That That's kind of their thing, you know, wake up out of the bed, score 80 points. But this is almost like a reverse, like where Hubert tried to do a couple of stretch fours and, and get shooting from that spot when really the main flaw that I saw with Roy's offense the last couple of years he was running it was that if he didn't have wings that could shoot, then they were in trouble. But if he had wings that could shoot along with everything else, there was really nothing wrong with the offense they were running. Hell, they just won a national championship with it, you know, five years right. ago. You know, it, right. you just have to have the right personnel in there. And I feel like this was going to be a transition year where Hubert is still bringing in his own kids, but still has the remnants of of what Roy had there. And I'm looking at this roster. I don't know if any of these kids are leaving early for anywhere. Uh, I imagine Armando might have the best case, but I'm not even sure if he would be projected first round himself. Do you, do you see any of these guys, Caleb Love, Armando Baycott, uh, do you see any of them leaving? Or do you see any of them, maybe the better question is, do you see any of them leaving school for another school with the transfer portal the way it is? Yeah, predicting what these kids are going to do is kind of cool for you. But if you ask me what, logically, I don't I, I don't think any of them should leave. Yeah. Uh, I don't really, I mean, Armando definitely shouldn't leave. Caleb uh, could certainly use another at least another year. Uh, I mean, the uh, NBA scouts are seeing the inconsistencies, but I guess they're also seeing the potential when he plays well. So who knows and who knows who's talking in his ear and telling him different things. But, yeah, I mean, really, I don't see anybody on the roster who has a sustained NBA career coming. Right, yeah. So it's it's just an option. Particularly when you consider, you compare that to the Duke roster. I mean, there are several <laughs> who probably will have sustained NBA careers. But um, I guess if you looked at any positive there, is that you, you you don't see players come and go in one year like uh, a Dayron Sharp or a Cole Anthony or a Kobe White. Carolina fans will be able to get used to these players most likely uh, uh, for a couple of years to come barring a transfer. And, you know, some of these, some of these guys who weren't playing could be tempted for sure. 
Well, I'm happy that Dontrez is starting to get some minutes because I'm hoping that that keeps him around. It shows that he could be a potential uh, future cog in this offense and, and an important part of that because he's very athletic. Uh, I'm not too sure about DeMarco Dunn. Uh, he wasn't highly rated coming in. Not getting a lot of minutes right now unless it's like, you know, last two minutes of a blowout game or something like that. So we'll kind of keep an eye on those two freshmen as Hubert brings in pretty solid class of four stars uh, for next year. Um, before I get you out of here, uh, RL Bynum, beat writer for the Tar Heel Tribune, follow him on Twitter at RL underscore Bynum. I wanted to talk just briefly about the, uh, the history of the ACC tournament series that's been airing on ACC network every Monday night, the past couple of weeks, they've gotten four episodes in, uh, which has gotten us to right around the early eighties. And I, I feel like people forget, uh, of course, Carolina Duke is the premier college basketball rivalry today. But I think a lot of people forget that that wasn't always the case. Like Carolina Duke has come and gone. Like it was there, uh, you know, in the 60s. Then Duke kind of slid the entire decade of the 70s and wasn't really there. And during that decade, it was really NC State and Carolina as Dean kind of found his footing. And Norm Sloan put together two of the the greatest uh, NC State teams, ACC teams of all time. Um, and them going back and forth. And we were talking off air about the, the 75 ACC uh, tournament championship. Can you go into what this rivalry as they get set to tip off at two o'clock today, what this rivalry has become and what it, where it is and where it needs to be going forward? Because I feel like it's almost becoming not lopsided. Well, maybe a little lopsided, but I don't think that there's the same fever for the rivalry of Carolina and NC State as there has been in the past, but it feels like it hasn't completely gone away. Uh, well, if your name's Roy Williams and it, it hasn't changed for you, but uh, <laughs> he's yeah, his fist right now, <laughs> yeah. But in the, in the 70s, you got to consider uh, NC State was dominant in the, in the early 70s. I mean, they had an undefeated season in 73 where, where they couldn't go to the couldn't go to the NCAA tournament because of probation and then won the national championship in 74 and and Carolina didn't have much success against them. And those are also the days when only one team could go to the NCAA tournament. Carolina had a couple of top 10 teams that just had to go. I mean, they went, they won the NIT one year uh, when, when that was happening. That, you know, so, that part of the, of it too, I think people don't really understand, you know, until they start watching something like this series, which is top notch, by the way. Uh, it, the fact that you had sometimes where like, uh, was it NC state and Maryland? In the right. 70s, where they had those the couple right there, uh, where Maryland was like the second ranked team in the country or something crazy, and missed the tournament because they they lost the ACC tournament final to, to NC State. And then and then those were the days when the NIT actually meant something because mm-hmm. only league champions could go to the NCAA tournament, and Maryland was so uh, crestfallen by that loss they they declined to go to the NIT. Wow! So that was crazy. But you know, with all that all that success. Phil Ford's freshman year, I mean, that was one of the more memorable ACC tournaments for Carolina fans ever. I mean, the the uh, the uh, first round overtime victory over Wake Forest with the scoreboard game where uh, every, every Wake Forest fan says uh, Shellenberg's pass didn't hit the scoreboard. Every Carolina fans would say it did. <laughs> and then surviving, surviving that and surviving the uh, – the uh, game against Clemson in the semifinals, and then and then finally dethroning NC State in the championship game. I mean that that really uh, got uh, the Carolina program 
back going again uh, in the 70s, you know, and eventually making the national championship game in 77. So, uh, and then State was da- down a little bit after that. Norm Sloan left for Florida. So, you know. Jimmy V comes in and then they kind of renew it all early 80s with the 82 uh, Hills team and 83. Uh, NC State comes right back behind them. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of good memories in that series. That they're, they're still going. I think it's an eight part series, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, ten. Six parts. It's ten. Oh wow, goody. So we still got like another six episodes to go, and they've only got to the early eighties. Uh, yeah, it, it, it wraps it wraps up uh, the week of the ACC tournament appropriately. Nice, nice. So uh, definitely check that out on ACC Network every Monday night uh, this week at uh, I believe they come on at eight o'clock and then uh, at nine. So definitely check those out. Follow RL on Twitter for the latest on North Carolina Tar Heel Athletics. Uh, you can follow him there at RL underscore Bynum. Beat writer for the Tar Heel Tribune, RL Bynum, stopping by the rundown. Appreciate you, brother. Take care now. Have a good weekend. Coming up, more from the rundown here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. You deserve to get good service and great rates. At State Farm, we get it. And we're here to help because with every State Farm policy, you get good neighbor service and you get surprisingly great rates. So what are you waiting for? Get going and talk to a local State Farm agent about your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Susanna Nunn in Kernersville today. Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the the website at kimsourcedirect.com. Enter your softball team into the Diamond Stars Invitational March 19th and 20th at Springwood Park in Burlington, North Carolina. Age brackets are for 10 and up for a one-day event, 12 and up, and 14 and up. With Diamond Star events, you get more games, longer time limits, quality competition, and prizes to all champions. With Diamond Star events, get the tournament experience your players, coaches, and families deserve. For more information and to sign up, visit DiamondStarEvents.net. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back to The Rundown, Hour 2. About half an hour to go here before we get you off to your noon tip-offs for this uh, Saturday here in the Triad. I want to give a shout-out to WWBG 1470 AM for carrying uh, the Rundown Live every Saturday starting at 10 AM. Uh, you can find us on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and any of our social media outlets, Facebook, Watch, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, you can actually participate in the show by commenting on the Facebook uh, Watch or YouTube uh, link, and those comments will appear here on the show so uh, you can actually interact with us on the show here loaded day here on tobacco road sports radio 12 30 p.m sports wire radio with uh host thomas bryce that is a two-hour format 2 30 p.m franchise players with jp mundy and ryan stone guest darren vault 
4 p.m., the North Carolina A&T Men's Basketball Coaches Show with Spencer Turkin. 4.30 p.m., it's the pregame show with J.P. Mundy. And then at 5 p.m., live college basketball, Big South action, North Carolina A&T taking on Radford at Club Corbett. That's the final regular season game of the season before the Big South tournament starts next week in Charlotte. And we will have North Carolina A&T tournament action for you starting next week. On the line with us right now, he is the host of Frankly Speaking Sports here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio every Tuesday through Thursday at 11 a.m., Larry Frank. And he is the beat writer for the Charlotte Hornets and the Carolina Panthers for Sports Illustrated. Skylar Callahan joining the program. What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Doing good. Ready for a weekend of sports. It's loaded. This is that time of the year where, like, everything's kind of crisscrossing across each other and uh, just trying to keep track of everything. NBA right now take center stage with the NFL finally done with their actual uh, schedule part of their season. Cause I like to say the NFL is 365 days a year. Uh, but with the NBA, there's a lot of different things going on. Of course, the biggest news, finally uh, James Harden uh, gets out of Brooklyn, makes his way to Philadelphia, made his debut last night. Philly looked pretty good. Um, what do you think is the biggest storyline for the second half of the NBA season? And uh, I'll start off with you, Skylar, uh, with you writing for, uh, Sports Illustrated for the Hornets, you get a chance to see all of these teams pretty much on a nightly basis. What do you think in your mind is going to be the biggest story as we barrel along into uh, April and eventually the NBA playoffs? Well, I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to, to James Harden and Philadelphia and see if that marriage is actually going to work. But I think really the bigger storylines are going to be LeBron James and the Lakers. I mean, there's been reports about him being frustrated with the front office, Rapalenka, I don't know. I mean, there's been talks that he may retire as a Cav and all this other stuff. Who knows what's going to happen with LeBron James? But this this year's team of the Los Angeles Lakers is just not cutting it. Like they they're going to be losing Anthony Davis for another two to three weeks, I believe. So I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs at this point. And if they don't make the playoffs, I don't see LeBron wanting to stay with the Lakers, knowing that he's getting towards the end of his career. He wants to go somewhere and win rings. I don't know if, if this team's going to do it, and I don't think they're going to have the assets to, to make any type of moves in the future. Le- LeBron did, uh, after the Lakers, they came back from like 16 down last night, ended up losing anyway. Uh, in the post game, LeBron did kind of, uh, what's the word to use? I guess hedge his bets on what he had been saying at All-Star Weekend and tried to clear up a lot of it because – we all know LeBron James is a very calculating individual. He knew that if he said this stuff at All-Star break, it was going to get out there. Uh, basically backed off the whole GM thing, said he thought Rob Palenka has done a good job, uh, said he wants to end his career with the Lakers. He's got, I think, one year left on this deal that he has with them, but I think he's eligible for an extension, like a two-year extension for like $90 million or something like that. At age 38 or 37 or whatever age he's at currently at this point, um, he did reiterate he liked to play with his son, Bronny, uh, his last year in the league. Of course, Bronny James won't be eligible under the current CBA until 2024-25 season. So LeBron actually has to get there, which is a full two, three seasons away from where we are. Uh, having said that, LeBron's probably playing some of the best ball of his career at this age. I, don't, I can't think of anyone who's played this well at this age, including Jordan, who, who dropped some 40-point games at age 38-39 for the Wizards. But LeBron's been pretty sustained throughout this whole season. He just doesn't really have a whole lot around him. Uh, Larry, what do you think is going to be the biggest storyline for the NBA for the second half here as we get towards the playoffs? Oh, wait, I got you muted. I'm sorry. I think it's two things, um, Desmond. And the first one's going to be Chris Paul's injured now, fractured thumb. Can the Phoenix Suns 
keep up the pace they played in the first half of the season. I mean, if you look at this team, um, they're seven games ahead of the Warriors right now. They're first um, in scoring points, second in field goal, eighth in free throws, eighth in three-pointers, seventh in total rebounds. This is a great, great, well-balanced team. But the catalyst to this team that puts it all together, it's not Devin Brooker. It's not DeAndre. Are you there still? Yeah, we're still here. We're still here. Oh, okay. We're still um, the standings here. Okay, um, DeAndre Ayton, but at the end of the day, Chris Paul is that catalyst. Now, they're going to get to the playoffs, but I want to see how they play without their playmaker in the game. And the other big one, uh, Jula mentioned it uh, at the beginning, is going to be the trade, the Harden-Simmons trade. Who's going to win that? People forget, because of everything going on, that Philadelphia is in first place. Okay, Harden with the great game yesterday. We don't know when Ben Simmons is going to play, but just imagine this. Ben Simmons, Durant, Irving, all playing together, all healthy, and the catalyst on this team is going to be, look at Seth Curry. Nobody talks about Seth Curry coming over. Seth Curry, four games, 19.3 points since averaging, since he's with the Nets, 4.8 rebounds, 4.0 assists, 50% 50% field goal shooting and 46.7 from deep. No one can tell me that, you know, that, that team going down this stretch could be very scary. The New Jersey, uh, excuse me, I still call them New Jersey. The Brooklyn Nets, when they get everybody back and, you know, they're in a spot to get in the playoffs now. I'd like to see with everybody back, everybody playing, how well this team can do. They don't look great now, but... It doesn't matter how you look now. It's getting to the playoffs that matters. It's when you're in the playoffs, you need to shine. And I'll tell you what, watch out for the Nets. I mean, they were predicted to do a lot this year, and the second half of the season is going to dictate how well they can start playing going into the playoffs. I'm sitting here looking at the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, The Miami Heat are currently sitting at the top. Uh, Actually, they're tied after last night. They're tied with uh, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, 76ers in third in the East, the Bucks in fourth, the Cleveland Cavaliers in fifth, which is probably the biggest surprise out of all of these. Uh, the Celtics, who have uh, in their last 10 games won nine out of the last 10 games, they've moved up to the sixth slot. Raptors in the seventh, who just got beat down by Charlotte last night. Uh, and the Nets in the eighth spot, although uh, to your point, Larry, they may be the, mo- may be the most dangerous team in the Eastern Conference uh, going forward. Skyler, I-, I look at number nine and I see our Charlotte Hornets sitting there at 30 and 31. They finally got off the schneid last night, beat the Raptors. Um, they're sitting at 30 and 31, so they're kind of in that play-in game situation. I know they want to avoid that. To get out of that, though, you got to get up to, what was it, the sixth seed, I believe it is, to, to get out of that. So that sounds daunting, but the sixth seed right now is the Celtics. They're at 35 and 26. The Hornets are 30 and 31. So they're they're about four games out of that sixth spot. Um what are your thoughts on what you saw last night with the Hornets? And do you think that the Hornets can get out of the play-in tournament and get one of these hard six uh, seeds in the East? I mean, they they looked like a re-energized group last night. I mean, they had an extra bounce in their step. That You could tell that this all-star break did them a lot of good. And it, I think it's not just so much the physical stuff, but I think it's mentally too. I mean, this is a team that had lost, what, nine of the last ten, I believe. I can't remember the exact number. But, I mean, yeah. they had really hit the wall. And I think – Anytime you get to the all-star break and you can relax, get away from the game a little bit, 
and just kind of regather yourself. I think that does a lot of good, both physically and mentally, especially for such a young team. This is kind of like a brand-new start to the season for them. It's 22-game stretch. It's a marathon. But at the same time, if they take one game at a time, instead of looking ahead to you know playing whoever on their schedule, they're going to have a chance to get in not only to the playing game, but they could maybe avoid the playing game and get into that number six spot. But I think it's going to be tough because there is a lot of competition right there. It's the East is really, really tight. I mean, from one all the way down to nine, it's, it's like very, very tight. Yeah. But I will say the one thing that could benefit the Hornets, you have a young team like this that is now re-energized. They're fresh. They're probably going to get Jalen McDaniels back within the next week or two, week or two. Gordon Hayward's probably going to come back within the next month. When this team is whole and they are completely re-energized, they could really make a serious push towards the end of the season because they have home games, for number one. And number two, a lot of these other teams, they're going to be starting to lose their legs because they're older. They don't have that, that kind of energy that this team does. And I think being younger is actually going to benefit the Hornets at least trying to make a playoff push. I want to circle back around to what we hit in hour one with Jalen Gilkey and Brandon Blakeney. Uh, and that's in regard to Steph Curry, who showed out during the All-Star game, 50 points. Uh, he was the game MVP. He was doing that thing all night long that he does that is like one of the coldest things I've ever seen on a basketball court where he shoots the three and the ball is literally leaving his hand and he turns around and he stares at the front row of the audience as it goes in behind him and then he runs off. Like, I've never seen anything like that before. And he started doing it with more regularity. He was shooting logo threes. Um <laughs> like I'm running out of ways to describe this dude. And I, I brought up the idea, should Steph Curry have, should he have been ranked in the top 10 of ESPN's ranked top 75? He's barely missed it. Uh, I believe he came at like number 12. I think he should be. We did our NBA, uh, you know, top, I think it was top 20 or something during the summer. And my top 10 ended up being fairly close to what ESPN's top 10 was with the exception of, uh, they have Oscar Robertson in their top 10. I think I have him in my top 15. I had Steph in my top 10, like at number nine. Um, again, two-time league MVP, the only one unanimous in league history. Jordan never did that. Wilt never did that. Shaq never did that. He's got three rings. Uh, he's going to obliterate the three-point uh, shots made record that he just passed uh, Ray Allen for. He's going to play another 10 years. So this is going to end up being like John Stockton assist record type thing when he's done where it's just so far out from everybody active that no one's going to catch it. Am I crazy to say Steph Curry should be ranked top 10 all time right now? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, he's the best shooter of all time. I mean, like you said, that, that I, I do think someone may catch up to that three point record just because of how much the game has evolved where guys in the past, like it's, they, they didn't really fall in love with the three ball. Steph Curry has changed the way that the NBA is played right now. Yes. You're going to see more guys that come into the league, shoot the ball from deep, and, and that kind of be their game. I don't know if we'll ever see another Steph Curry, but I think he he's definitely worthy of a top 10 spot. And, I, and I've mentioned uh, before, maybe, Larry, you can echo this. I, 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 in my lifetime, there's been three players that have changed the game, like literally changed the way offenses are run, the way defenses are set, the way you do substitutions, the way you recruit, uh, blah, blah, blah. One, Michael Jordan two Shaquille O'Neal and three Steph Curry. If you go back and look at how the league was and how offense was played when these guys were in the league, Jordan made it okay to build around a guard like your roster to build a championship team. Cause before that it was all big men. You had to have a big man to do it. 
and they were laughing at the Bulls for picking him third overall when it happened because he was a guard. Uh, Shaq changed the way you have to play defense, got it back to the inside out type of thing. And 2000 Shaq, I just watched the rewatched the Shaq Kobe interview when they finally sat down and, and, and interviewed each other for like 45 minutes. I watched it again last night and uh, I forgot how dominant Shaq was in the year 2000. Like he literally bullied the entire league like no one could stop him they were like triple teaming this guy at some points uh so he kind of changed the game and now to your point Skylar, steph curry has changed the way uh young kids play basketball kids now think that they can come down and shoot 30 foot three pointers from the logo in their high school gym like and that's because of him like he has done this but the problem is not everybody's steph curry no one is steph curry except for steph curry so you've got a bunch of like an entire generation looking for three-point shots including big men who, who are abandoning learning how to play in the paint. Like it, you, it's rare. It's like a unicorn to see a true six, eight, six, nine, 17 year old in high school that has actual post moves. Like a lot of them still want to shoot. They think they're Kevin Durant. So Larry, am I, am I being crazy to put Steph Curry in my top 10 all time right now while he's still playing? I think it is a little too early. I think he is. If yes, right now, would, if he ended his career today, I would say yes. But he, like you said, you the point you hit on, he has ten years left. You have to see what he does in the next ten years. No one knows. Now we can, you know, predict that we don't see anything going to be downplayed in his game. But I think once he's all said and done, he might even get closer to the top five ever. You know, in shooting because. I just can't see a guy who plays just as amazing as he does can do it so consistently day in and day out. And that's one thing he's doing. Um, and I definitely think he has changed the game. I'm not going to look you in the eye and say he's changed the game for the better because I think basketball is a lot more than three-point shooting. And I Agreed. think we've seen that the last 10 games the Hornets have played where – when they went cold and they couldn't hit out there like Steph Curry does, what mm -hmm. happened to their game? They started losing. And to answer your question, I have to – I agree with you maybe in your lifetime. I might be a little bit older than you, but I still say to this day the two people that have put basketball back on the map was in the 80s with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Oh, I won't dispute that. Like, yeah, for Magic and Bird, and they're in my top 10. I believe they're like at five and six. Or no, I have Magic at four, actually. Uh, Desmond, like nobody six. shot the basketball better in a clutch situation than Larry Bird. Oh, I agree. I hated him. I couldn't stand Larry Bird. I'm a Laker fan. I grew up a Laker right. fan. So, so you understand. I grew up in the 80s. Yeah, like, so Larry Bird was like Boston the pain of my existence. Years. So <laughs> and the I've, guy was I've amazing. Got, I've got, as I've gotten older, I, I, I treat Larry Bird like pinto beans. Like, as I've gotten older, I've begun to enjoy pinto beans more. And as I've gotten older, I've, be I've begun to respect Larry Bird and what he's what he did. Like, this dude's the only dude in history to win three straight MVPs. Like, people got to remember this. Like, this dude was a terror. Like, he was a problem. And and he was a great defensive rebounder as well. People forget yeah, that about Larry Bird. Passer. Uh, right. I mean, back then, they were only shooting three or four threes a game. If Larry Bird lived in today's NBA – he would probably be right there with Steph Curry in terms of just like a threat from three. And he would, Larry Bird's the type that would shoot logo threes. Like, I feel like he would be the type, and he would talk crap to you like right. before he did it. <laughs> like, he would talk smack. Like, I'm, so when I come down to court next time, I'm going to shoot it right here from the logo, like right in front of you. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. And then he would just go do it. And like, people just throw up their hands. So I had Jordan one, Kareem two, LeBron three, Magic four, Kobe five. 
Bird Six, uh, uh, Wilt Seven, Russell Eight, Steph Nine, Duncan Ten. Now, what is that? Best scorer, best shooter, best, best, best player. I was we did our top ten all time players in the summer, uh, and I need to do it again when we come back around to the summer with a different panel. But and who uh, you put number one? Michael Jordan. I have Jordan at one. Uh, I have Kareem at two as it stands today, and I have LeBron at three. Uh, I can't ignore. I can't ignore. I watched the 2011 NBA Finals. Like I can't ignore what I watched. I watched LeBron James stand in a corner for literally a whole game. Like he just got taken out of the offense. And, and since then, to his credit, he built on his three point shooting. He became a more dominant player overall. Like it taught him a lesson. He got better. But I can't ignore what I saw. And like Jordan, Kareem, I don't remember them ever shrinking in a big moment, like ever. And I've, there's a couple times you can point at LeBron and go, well, he right here, he had a moment to elevate to GOAT status and, and he, he took a step back or he didn't want it or he deferred or whatever it might be. I don't remember Michael Jordan deferring ever. Uh, I don't remember Kareem really deferring ever. And I saw Isaiah Thomas's comments on First Take this week where you were saying you can't be the GOAT unless you lead a statistical category. That's just Isaiah Thomas being upset at Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> he's still mad at him. And, he, and they'll keep going continuously. You know, even after they both pass and leave this earth, they'll still not like each other. They'll respect each other's games. But Isaiah is never going to sit here and say Michael Jordan's the GOAT. He just ne- he just won't do it. Like, even if he knows deep down in his heart <laughs> that Jordan is probably the greatest, he's never going to admit that. Um, but Desmond, can you ever name a time where Michael Jordan, who you have first, LeBron James, I think you said is third, if I heard you correctly. As it stands today, I have LeBron at three. Right. But he's creeping on Kareem, for sure. When was there a time any of those players – ever changed the course of a game without shooting and did it with a defensive play. That's Jordan, what Larry Bird did. Larry I, I Bird Jordan, go ahead. But you're talking greatest player of all time. I will argue this till the day I die. The two greatest team players, that the all-time players, team player-wise, that had it all was Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. You cannot – I would have a battle between picking because Larry Bird, how many games did you see him steal the ball near an end of a game, throw it to DJ, DJ scores, and they win the game? Larry Bird was all over the floor. And when I say all over the floor, he was on the floor. You, I mean, every highlight you watch Larry Bird, he's laying down somewhere on the floor going for the ball. Bird – uh Bird had a lot of buzzer beaters, too. Uh, people forget that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bird had a lot of buzzer beaters. Uh, like, he kind of became known for it back then. I just I can't have Magic and Bird 1 and 2 on my all-time list. But they're two of my favorite – well, not two. Magic is one of my favorite players <laughs> of all time. Uh, Bird is one of the most despised players of my lifetime. And I do have him in my top 10. And they are right there around the middle, like 5, 6, something like that. I just couldn't put – I can't put Bird over Kareem. You know what I mean? I can't put Bird over Jordan. Like, Kareem played 20 years. Like, I can't put him over Jordan – Jordan changed the game. Uh, like Bird and Magic saved the NBA, but right. Jordan took it global. Like Jordan, at one point, Jordan was probably more recognized on Earth than Santa Claus. Like after the '92 Dream Team, he just exploded into this like deity level that no one had reached before, and he's still kind of there. Where like every like I've never seen. I'll put it up to you like this: I agree with everything you said about Bird and Magic, but never once have I seen a grown woman cry at a bus with Mer- with Larry Bird walking off of it. I've seen that multiple times with Michael Jordan. And the only person I can think of in my life that I can compare it to is Michael Jackson. Like, that's how big he got yeah. because of his play. It wasn't like a, 
I see young kids today like, oh, it's all manufactured media stuff. He was never that good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I, I understand you weren't alive when he was playing, but there is this thing called YouTube you can go to and you can actually watch him play full games and see. There's a whole 10-part documentary on it, The Last Dance. It feels like you haven't watched it. Like, Bird, Bird Magic, Dr. Mm-hmm. J, that whole era wow, of the 80s Jay. was them pulling themselves out of this this coke-induced hole that the NBA had put themselves into yep. with their players in the 70s, and uh, it was just a grimy place. Everything was on tape delay. And, and it's not your number ball. one pick that I disagree with totally. Michael Jordan, I loved him. I, I mean, you saying Bird should be higher? No, I just – it's, it's your number three pick who I oh, despise. LeBron, LeBron is oh, a great player until he opens up his mouth. And I think his legacy is going to be ruined – by the amount of crap lately that he just shoots off his mouth without thinking. You've never seen Bird or Magic. I don't even think I've seen Jordan. Forget his documentary. I'm talking while they were playing the game. Ever say crap like uh, LeBron. And the thing is that, um, you know, when you look at LeBron, I can't take away from him being a great player. But, you know, when you talk about the greatest of all time, you don't do that crap and – Unfortunately, LeBron likes to shoot off at the mouth, and then then he'll come back three days later and apologize for doing it. <laughs> I think I think Kobe, I think Kobe gets left out of that conversation. Yes, yes. I think yes. It, it may be an unpopular opinion, but I think instead of the the Jordan and LeBron talk, I think you got to put Kobe ahead of LeBron as of right now. Yes, I agree. I agree. I do agree with that. And I don't know why I didn't do that on my list. I I feel almost like I was pressured to put LeBron at three for some reason. And I'm like, I watched all of their careers. I I watched Jordan through college to pros. I'm blessed to say I've actually watched all of these guys for the most part. They're in my top 10 with exception of like Wilt and Russell and, you know, uh, like that. But pretty much everyone else is pretty much in the past 30, 40 years or so. So I've got a chance to see them all. Um, And I agree. Kobe, that's the problem, though. I don't know where to put Kobe because Kobe, I think I have him right around the middle. I don't have him as the greatest Laker. I always assume I always put Magic Johnson as the greatest Laker. So if he's not the greatest Laker, then where do I put him? And usually it's like right behind Magic. So I think I had Magic at four and Kobe at five. And I'm I'm okay with that. Like to be the fifth greatest player of all time, played it all at one team. That's fine. I I can live with that. Now, LeBron's still playing, so I don't know if LeBron can get the five rings that elevates him into a different conversation like i can't say he's the greatest of all time with four championships and six losses in the nba finals i just can't yeah. it doesn't feel right but so how do you put Ma- if magic is the greatest laker you said of all time in my opinion how yeah. is he not ahead of kareem on your list of best players because kareem won a title before he got to la and he was did. one That's of the greatest true. high school players of all time like like to me uh, kareem was lebron before lebron in terms of expectations coming out of high school and then fulfilling them uh Kareem to me is the best overall big man of all time. Oh yeah, uh, clearly Will the best Russell, scorers of all time. Yeah, so I mean I have to put him ahead of like Wilt and Russell, but I, I feel comfortable putting Kareem over Magic. Although in my heart, Magic is the greatest LA Laker of all time in yeah. terms of just Makes what sense. he did for the franchise. Um, I was gonna take a break, but we're right up against it anyway, so I'm gonna keep it going. We do a thing every once in a while called odds and ends when we end the show, uh, and I just kind of bounce around to a couple different topics that are out there. So we're going to actually go ahead and get in that right now. Uh, odds and ends back on the rundown here. Larry Frank, Skylar Callahan here with me as we wrap up uh, today's show. NBA 75, we were just talking about it. Real quick, guys, which active player has the best case to be named number 77 
for this list? Like, what player got left off that you feel like probably should have been on this list? Ooh, I, I don't – I actually didn't even get to see the whole entire list. Yeah, I, on it. There's one name floating around, Dwight Howard. Uh, did not make the top 75. Honestly, see, the middle part of his career is what kind of messed up the perception of him. But if you just look at his first eight years in Orlando, he should have got in just off of that. Like, he might be one of the greatest defensive players of all time next to, like, a Bill Russell or, or someone. So I people think he, him. I think if he has sustained that through his 30s into his mid-30s and, and kept that going, I think he could definitely make the case. I, don't, I think his, his career almost nosedived too quickly. You know, I, I didn't see the list either, but I'll tell you two guys if they're not on it because probably may not be on it. And, Desmond, you saw the list, so you would know. Kevin McHale, I don't know if he was on it of the Boston he, Celtics. He's on it. He's like in the 50s, I believe. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of people say he's rated too high, uh, which is nuts to me because Kevin McHale was like right. a magician in the post. But The other guy that I loved as a kid, and I just love him, so I'm going to throw his name out there. I don't know if he was on it, was Bernard King of the Knicks. Ooh, you know what? I don't. I think he's in there, but it would have been further back. I I, I double check that. So yeah, that's actually a good one too. Uh, ACC hoops today. Yes. Two p.m. North Carolina taking on NC State PNC Arena. NC State is reeling. They have been blasted by injuries the entire year. Carolina comes in. This is literally a must-win for Carolina to keep their uh, postseason hopes alive. Who do you guys got, real quick? Carolina, NC State, two p.m. Who do you expect to win this matchup? I got Carolina. I think they're going to win this one fairly easily. I mean, Armando Baycott is just a beast inside. They have, NC State has no answer for that. And I love the backcourt that, that Carolina's got with, with Caleb Love and, and some of those other guys. So, I want to go Carolina rolls. NC State's just in a mess right now. John Gonzalez asking if Rick Barry was on the NBA Top 75. I do not know. I will check on that for you, John. Maybe I can get that answer for you before we get out of here. Uh, Larry, your thoughts. Carolina State getting after it this afternoon, 2 p.m. You know, North Carolina State is just a terrible team. I mean, I, I I hate to say that, but it's just true. I mean, North Carolina and the way Caleb Love, who I just mentioned, has been playing the last four games, when he's playing like he has the last four games, you don't need Bacot to do everything. Um, I actually think Bacot's overrated, in my own opinion. I think Carolina goes as Love goes. And I, the way he's been playing uh, – Love lately, I I don't see that changing, hopefully. And I think the Tar Heels win uh, pretty big today. Uh, to answer your question, John, Rick Barry was on the top, the NBA top 75. Um, he is the only player to lead the NBA, the ABA, and the NCAA in scoring. So uh, wow. definitely Rick Barry deserves to be on that list. Um, three throws. Yeah, underhand three throws. I noticed uh, when I woke up this morning, Russell Wilson took all of the Seahawks stuff off of his Twitter. Should the Carolina Panthers pursue Russell Wilson? I feel like me and you talk about this every week, Skyler, but now it feels like it's starting to get real. Um, should they pursue Russell Wilson? No, um, it is starting <laughs> to get real. But it, it seems like this happens every offseason. Earlier, I mean, a couple weeks ago, it was Kyler Murray took all of his Cardinal stuff off. It's, it's always somebody, and it's I don't childish. think it ever means anything, but – no, the Panthers should not go after Russell Wilson. And like I said on our, our podcast earlier this week, you can't trade multiple first-round picks for a 32-, 33-year-old quarterback with a team that's not ready to win yet. I don't think they should do it. If they do, it's it's a, it's too bold of a move, I think, for Scott Federer. 
You are welcome, John Gonzalez. That's what we are here for. Uh, if you want to participate in the rundown, you can do just like John did. Ask a question. We'll answer it in real time uh, across the triad. So you can actually join in on the show. Um, real quick before we get out of here, because we're going to be up against it in a bit. Uh, Larry, this weekend marked the one-year anniversary of Tiger Woods' car crash. Uh, that's prevented him from being able to participate in, uh, in golf. Do you think we ever see Tiger Woods competing in a major again? Yes. I mean, Tiger Woods is going to do what Tiger Woods has to do. I mean, we've seen him hurt so many times. I mean, and he keeps proving everybody wrong. Everyone's like, there's no way he's coming back. He's going to come back. And I think one of the reasons is, I mean, I, you know, his son, I mean, as close as they have gotten over the years, teaching him how to play golf, I think he wants to win, get back in the tournament one more time. So now that his son is old enough, can see him play. Uh, kind of like you said, LeBron wants to play with his son. Was it LeBron yeah. you said earlier? Same idea here where he can just have, um, you know, his son see him play. To answer your question quickly, yes, you will see him in. Skyler, do you think Tyler? Do you think Tiger is going to play in another major again, or do you think he's done? Uh, from what I've understood, he's not able to walk courses yet, so I'm not sure. I'd be fine if he just retired. Like I, I mean, it's okay that you didn't make it to past uh, Jack Nicholson's major record. It's okay. Like people are still going to look at you as one of the greatest golfers of all time. Does he need to continue to play golf? He doesn't need to, but I think he wants to. I think the burning desire is still there. And like Larry said, I mean, he's he's going to come back from it just like he has everything else. No one thought he was going to come back after that incident, you know, with his with his wife. I mean, everyone just yeah. thought that was the end of his career. I, I think he, he's got a lot of golf in him. And the good thing about golf, you can play until you're 60, 70 years old and still play well. Yep. So I think there's still there's still a lot of road left ahead of him. I think, obviously, his best golf's behind him. But I, I still think he can play. And, heck, he could probably he could maybe even win a major. I'll say this. Uh, what's Tiger's son's name again? I can't remember his it's name. Charlie. Charlie. Charlie looks like a a, a mini tiger, like yeah, the way he exactly. swings, the way he walks, like the way he wipes his brow, like all it's crazy <laughs> watching it. It's like a clone of Tiger Woods. So I think everyone's kind of turned their attention to to Charlie and see what Charlie might be able to do. Maybe Charlie ends up passing Tiger in number of majors one. Who knows? Uh, that would be kind of nuts. So we'll see from that. And then real quick before we get out of here, I put together a dream slam dunk dais, uh, like of all time. Like these guys are in their peak. Who would you pick to win this slam dunk contest between these contestants? Sean Kemp, Dominique Wilkins, LeBron James, Zion Williamson, Vince Carter, Michael Jordan. All of them. Now, I know it's kind of crazy with Zion because we haven't really seen his uh, his peak yet, I guess, or we haven't seen him. But there's, there's no doubt in my mind, Dominique Wilkins. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> we got to vote for Dominique. Skyler, yeah, I, I like Dominique a lot. Kemp's Kemp's one of the, the guys yes. that everyone forgets about, but I got to go with Vince Carter, man. I mean, he is just he is so so fun to watch, and I wish I was old enough to really understand what was going on at the time. I mean, I was so young when he was still playing, but oh god, he I shut down the slam dunk contest like two thousand one. It was it, and people forget who else was in that slam. Steve, Steve France was in that slam dunk contest. Tracy McGrady was in that contest. It was a really good contest, but Vince Carter just obliterated it for like a decade. Like it never really came back until really Blake Griffin jumping over that Kia, I guess. And then from there, Aaron, uh, 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 Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine is the greatest slam dunk yeah. contest of all time, in my opinion. But I'm going to go with my man John down here at the bottom uh, and Michael Jordan. 
Michael Jordan had one of the highest vertical leaps measured in NBA combine history. Like he has like a 48 inch vertical. Uh, and at the time that meant his head was over the rim, like six inches, like when he would jump. So, I mean, there's a couple of dunks when you see him, I've always said Michael Jordan and Vince Carter are probably the best in game dunkers of all time. You could put Dominique on that list. You could put Sean, uh, Sean Kemp on that list, actually, in terms of in game dunkers, Carter might be the best. Yeah. I mean, but Jordan, Jordan's thing was that he hung. That was the whole thing. He hung in the air. Other guys go up, back down. Time. Yeah. yeah, Jordan would stay in the air. And that was the allure with Jordan that people kind of forget as we get further and further down the road from his career. It wasn't just the shoes. It wasn't just, you know, the bald head or whatever. It was Jordan's play, like what he was doing that made people want to go outside and imitate what he was doing. I've never once in my life went outside and tried to imitate a LeBron James shot. Like, not once. I don't even know what that would be. <laughs> like, you know, but there's like five Jordan shots you can think of to do that with. But in this, I'm probably going to pick Jordan. Although, uh, John also mentions Dr. J should be on that list, one of the greatest dunkers of yes. all time. I would agree with that. Uh, you know, it's crazy too to, to think about Dr. J. And then, like, I probably should have put like Zach Levine or, or uh, uh, what's it, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon might have had the sickest slam dunk in a contest ever when he when he grabbed the ball underneath himself off the, the mascot's head on the, the on the on the hoverboard or whatever. That's probably the the sickest dunk I've ever seen. So I probably should put Aaron Gordon in this, but that wouldn't have been fair. But Aaron Gordon versus Vince Carter would have been really really fun to watch in their primes. Uh, we are up against it. We are here right at the noon hour. Go ahead, go to get a sandwich, sit down, watch some basketball. There's a lot of good stuff on today. Uh, ACC is loaded all day today. We'll be back next week at 10 a.m. You can catch Skyler's work following the Charlotte Hornets and the, uh, the Carolina Panthers with Sports Illustrated. Just go to Twitter at Callahan underscore. You can get to Larry's stuff for Frankly Speaking Sports at Larry Frankus. He is on 11 a.m. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Y'all know where you can find me. I'm all over the place. John with a final. Daryl Dawkins had most vicious dunks I ever saw, too. Daryl Dawkins, uh, Chocolate Thunder. Didn't forget about him. Didn't he break a backboard? Broke a backboard, didn't he? A few of them. Yeah, a few of them, yeah. So he probably should be in there also, too. We are up against it. We are out of time. We will see you next week. Take it easy. Enjoy it, Triad. Peace.